Kelmack presents Alfonso Ribeiro. Hi. You know, I wasn't born a dancer. I learned to do it with a lot of help. And with my help, you can learn, too. Moves like the moonwalk. Or the king turns. It's all right here in my breaking and popping book. Almost a hundred pages that simply and clearly take you through the moves. In a few minutes, you could be doing backspins that will flip out your friends or eye-popping moves like the centipede. My step-by-step guide starts with the basics, but takes you all the way to tough moves like the windmill. It's all right here in my easy-to-follow book. And tell mom and dad it's the safe way to break and pop. Not the things you shouldn't try. With my book comes a fold-out breaking board. Carry around to give you a huge 65 by 70 safe dancing area anywhere. Can you rap? Well, there's even a full rap sheet included. Plus, this instruction poster to hang on the wall. With even more breaking and popping moves. Yep, you get my book. Fold up breaking board, rap sheet, and instruction poster. Plus, you get the right kind of music. Rap attack. Hey, you, the rap you like volume one, volume two is radical. Popping book, the rap sheet, instruction poster, a fold-up breaky boy, plus the double album rap attack, all for under 20 bucks. Alfonso's right, only 19.99. For COD and credit card orders, call 1-800-453-8500. Save the COD charges by sending 19.99 plus three dollars shipping and handling to Breakin and Poppin. 443 West 50th Street, New York. Alfonso's breakin' offer is great for all ages. Have your mom or dad order now. American history you missed out on, Sarah. An entire slice of our culture that you weren't there for. I know Alfonso in a different way. You know, he's Carlton, right? Uh-huh. What is he doing now? Where is Alfonso Ribeiro You know, now? I just saw a picture of him trying to get into some, like, Hollywood nightclub the other day. He turned away. Yeah. I'm sorry, you are who? And he tried to punch a uh, paparazzo because they asked him to do the Carlton. <laughs> That's wonderful. All right, no wonder our parents thought it was dangerous. It's called breaking and popping. It just sounds like something to give you a torn rotator cuff. Fantastic. And by the way, the Alfa- I, I wasn't even watching the commercial as you played it just now, but I do remember it uh, from my youth. And the Alfonso, what is the breaking board or whatever, is really just a big piece of cardboard that I do believe it has... It has checkerboard around the outside and it has a big picture of his face. You can, you can swirl all around Alfonso Ribeiro's face, if that's your thing. Uh, hello, it's four minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of November, the year of our Lord, 2007. I'd like to say that this morning started off the right way. I got a big F you, Rick Emerson, from Susan Reynolds in the hallway about five minutes ago. I mean, in the best possible way. Was it about the... Said with a smile. The snake liquor? The cobra liquor? Oh, I'm sorry. No, it was not about that. It was about something else. No. Sorry, I thought you were referring to... No, we were... to lick the snake? We were talking... <laughs> Who wants to lick the snake? The line forms here. Uh, we were uh, no, we were talking about something else in the hallway, and I, she's having a bit of a day. That's just the sense I get. You know, so, Did I hear her say something about car accidents? 
No. Oh, because I thought she was walking by, and I thought maybe I, I thought I heard her say. Something. I don't believe so. Okay. Well, we were just, we were talking. But anyway, this is Susan's day. It's one of those days for Susan Reynolds, who I, he really is. I mean, she really is like a like a true radio professional. She is absolutely a true soldier of the broadcasting field. But some days, you, it's like you can just uh, you can all but see the infantry helmet on her as she sort of hunkers down every time she has to walk back upstairs. You know, because she's going back to the front lines. And I made some crack today about it because I, I, she's kind of looking into something for us. It's not a big deal. It's not all that exciting. But she's looking into something for us, for, for a thing we might do on the air next week. And she said, well, okay, I'll look into that. It's, you know, I got like nine different meetings today, but I'll, I'll get that taken care of. And I said, well, you know, I just figured that your day was a little underscheduled. I figured you didn't have quite enough to do today. And she just, she gave me like the finger right there. She goes, F you, Rick Emerson. And then she walked off. It's wonderful. I love that lady. She's fantastic. She's got the biggest balls here. It, it really is true. We have it. You know, that's what we got to get her for Christmas. A big set of brass balls. Susan, if you're listening, you have to act surprised when you get them. You know what it takes to be Susan Reynolds? It takes brass balls to be Susan Reynolds. All right, totally. That's Even if you hear it now, it's still going to be great. That's what we're going to... just catch her off guard. We'll do it on a random day before Christmas. And we'll present it right in front of Human Resources. Hello, Laura Klein. We are giving brass balls to Susan Reynolds. Bam. All right. Hello, Brooke Shields. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. It is Friday. <coughs> and welcome to Day 12. Hello. It's uh, 503 503- Seven three three two nine seventy with your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, your two cents, uh, your what have you today, your breakdancing tips. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able uh, to uh, pass along your observations about uh, the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, or the just plain retarded. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. You can also email if you like. It's Rick at rickemerson.com rick at rickemerson.com uh, sarah at 970.am tim at 970.am or richie with a t uh, at 970.am here's what's uh, coming up today CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum uh, will be uh, joining us today we'll talk to Rachel McGrath from Los Angeles as well today I do believe Chris Jericho uh, is a lock for today there's some sort of misunderstanding yesterday but we talked to his his people as they say uh, so WWE fixture and wrestling legend Chris Jericho coming up today 140 uh, oh, this is a good time to mention this. So, Chris Jericho reminds me of this for some reason. Next Friday, one week from today, in the studio, joining us in the studio, one week from today, uh, will be Tommy Thayer from KISS. Uh, it will be on the Rick Emerson program next Friday. He'll be in the studio with us. So, it's very exciting. Um, it's going to be inside. They're doing like a benefit show uh, of some sort uh, next Friday. Anyway, so he's going to be in the studio, which is badass. That's very exciting It doesn't you. impress you as much as it impresses I don't know who that is. Tommy Thayer is the guy who uh, replaced Ace Fraley. Okay. In Kiss. He now plays the Ace Fraley role. And here's the badass thing about that. Is that he is from Beaverton. Uh, Tommy Thayer is he is the hometown boy made good. He is a he's a guy from Beaverton. I don't know. I'll save all my gushing for next week. But I will say, when he got the gig, the Oregonian ran the greatest photograph that has ever been taken ever ever ever. It was the greatest picture of anything. There was a picture of Tommy Thayer again, who grew up in Beaverton in the seventies, a real Kiss fan. It's a picture of him at age 13, dressed up in, like, a homemade Ace Fraley costume, like, you know, playing a guitar in his, like, homemade, like, bad face painting in the suburbs, like, made out of cardboard Ace Fraley costume. And then right next to it, it was right before the show that we went to see, the Kiss show at Clark County. Uh-huh. You saw him play as Ace Fraley okay. at Clark County. 
So they in the Oregonian, they show the 13-year-old Tommy Faye with a cardboard costume dressed up as Ace Fraley. And then right next to it, they show him on stage with Kiss oh. as Ace Fraley. You know, like playing for 40,000 people somewhere. Okay, that's the coolest picture it is. ever. It's like the greatest thing. And people can, you know, whatever anybody thinks about Kiss and the, and the lineup and the, the whatever, uh, there's just no denying that. So, it's just the, the coolest thing ever. So, Tommy Thayer will be joining us in studio next Friday. So, uh, you got that to look forward to. Uh, today, Chris Jericho. Aaron Duran will be joining us in the studio later on today. Uh, we will do another Zeppelin giveaway, six-disc Zeppelin set and a Holiday Ale Fest gift pack. Uh, we got that. Uh, what else? Tim Riley's top five show tunes of all time as we wrap up uh, yeah, the show tune countdown. So we had Aaron's show tunes. Yesterday was Sarah. I did mine the day before today. Tim Riley's top five show tunes of all time. Uh, oh, we have the most metal thing you've ever heard in your entire life. That is because I've gotten some... I'm not going to call them complaints, but we have gotten some... Concerned communications from various members of the audience about the. Because this does make it. Let's see if you count the honorable mentions. One, two, three, four. This does make 24 different show tunes that we've played over the last, I don't know, week or so. So we've spent probably two hours over the last week counting down show tunes. So, to, so as sort of an aperitif or whatever it is, whatever the word is after all that. Uh, we'll do the top five show tunes countdown today, and then later on we will play the most metal thing you've ever heard in your life, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, and your phone calls, and um, it, 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 perhaps if we have time, if we might do another installment of the of, of video rodeo because we do have that follow up to the video that can never be named. So we'll try to get to that later on. Uh, it's five zero three seven three three two. 970. 503-733-2970. Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification on this Friday. A savage windstorm, the worst in years, will follow the snow this weekend. Report of the metro area. Yes, there's been more life-threatening violence on the max, as some of the staff following a fight that started aboard the Green Line. The elimination of Fearless Square and the fencing off of platforms for those who don't pay just two suggested solutions to the anarchy found aboard the max. Oh, the Roger in Roger and Me is dead. It's the 50th anniversary of the Grinch. By the way, uh, really? Yeah. The uh, the book or the movie or both? Or not both. the movie, but I mean the... Uh, okay. Oh. I'm sorry, I was distracted just now because I just got an email from Scotty J for no real reason. Like literally five seconds ago. What did it say? It says... I'm busy cold calling. <laughs> is it signed <laughs> Vice President? <laughs> it's, it's, Vice you... President and Regional General Manager. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hello, Mrs. Nyborg. Uh, the subject line is, this is how much he assumes we've forgotten him. Subject line, this is Scotty J. <laughs> um, Matt Damon. Good morning, Rick. Hope I... <laughs> <laughs> this is... Uh, the, the, Scotty makes no sense. Listen to this. Listen to how... how I mean... No, he makes it seem like we haven't spoken in a month, like we're all complete strangers. Seriously. I thought the E has been taken out of Scotty K. Um, it's just Scott. Well, I, I will tell you this. You know how it's like there's the name, you know, it says like from, and there's the email address, and there's the name. It is Scott in the name, but in the subject line, maybe that's why. Maybe he didn't think we would remember him if he just called himself Scott. So the subject line is, this is Scotty J. <laughs> the name is all Scott. Listen to how completely, I mean, we love Scotty, but listen to how completely clueless he is even now. Good morning, Rick. Hope all is going well for all of you over there. Looking forward to your David Lee Roth interview this afternoon. <laughs> I'll be listening, Scotty J. All right, well, you'll you be listening. So I guess he's not allowed to listen in his office. Yeah, I... 
Yeah, there's no David Lee Roth interview happening. We need to talk to Scotty J sometime soon. I want to find out what exactly he's doing because it's been like a month now, right? You know what? Uh, yeah, and I left him that. To, I left him the uh, uh, the the voicemail well, we know about. He'll be listening today. We should call him today. Maybe because uh, we offered him the chance to come to do the Loverboy interview, which I think that time has passed. I think he's missed that by now. So. All right. Well, whatever. Um, well, we get these calls here in a second. Uh, just uh, a couple things. A, I'm going to play through the pain today, but I did give myself a paper cut, so I don't want you all to feel sorry for me. I don't want there to be any... No, you know what? And I was talking to Becca about this today. I know this sounds like dumb stand-up comedy stuff, but I really was having this discussion with Becca, who does promotions for KUFO, and we were talking about the paper cut. And the weird irony, the paradox of the paper cut is this, that we all know that paper cuts hurt like a bastard. I mean, paper cuts really do... It is... I mean, it's not like getting your foot cut off. But, I mean, paper cuts, it's a disproportionate amount of pain. In other words, a paper cut is a tiny little injury, usually. it's not. Usually, it's not like three inches long. It's a tiny little injury. But it does hurt, like, way more than it ought to. You're telling this to a girl who had to go home yesterday from work because she was really sick. Who, Becca? Yeah. No, no, no. no Becca's the one who brought this up, by the way. This is her observation that I'm passing along. Because she did point out something I'd never thought of, which is that... We all know that paper cuts have a disproportionate amount of pain attached to them. And if I can inject just a side note here, not only do paper cuts hurt way more than they ought to, but also when you're actually in the process of, like, giving yourself the paper cut, like when it goes, and you kind of go, oh! Paper cut, the actual process of the injury just feels weird, too. It's not like when you poke yourself with a kitchen knife by mistake or something, or, you know, what it, you know, what it, you know, you jab yourself on maybe something pointy somewhere. A paper cut has, like, a weird kind of pain, too, because it is, like, such a clean cut. But the thing is, we all know that paper cuts suck. Like, if you've seen the first Jackass, there's that whole sequence in the first Jackass movie where it's just guys giving each other paper cuts, like, like between their toes. Uh. It's like, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like between, you know, and it's like if a guy was just... Like, if you were watching Jackass and a guy was just stapling another guy, like, you'd go, well, that, that hurts. But there was something about, like, hey, spread your fingers apart and I will give you a paper cut between your fingers. It just hurts. And yet, by the same token, you're never allowed to complain about it because the paper cut is simultaneously used as sort of a uh, shorthand for tiny injury. So, we all know that they hurt, but we're not really allowed to complain about them because, after all, it's just a paper cut. So... Anyway, there you go. Oh, I got a piece of breaking news here. Is it about Scotty J? No, it's about uh, Hillary Clinton. Oh, really? Do we, is this is this worthy of uh... a... <laughs> right, here's some breaking news from Tim Riley. A man has taken an unknown number of people hostage at a New Hampshire campaign office for Hillary. The man <laughs> claims to have a bomb strapped to him. He walked into the office in Rochester, New Hampshire... Uh, let's see. Apparently, uh, an adult and a child have been released. Jesus. And let's see. Pe- police have surrounded the building, evacuated the immediate area, and placed other buildings, including a nearby school, under lockdown. Where is this? Rochester, New Hampshire. Okay. Oh, it's going to be a well, day. Well, we should be asking uh, CNN if they have anybody covering this. Absolutely. All right. I'll go cover it. I'm familiar with the area. Jesus. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, more on that as it develops. Good God Almighty. That's well, that makes my makes my paper cut thing sound stupid. Uh, all right, it, it just it, it, two other observations here, and that we're really ahead of time here. It's only fifteen after. Normally, normally it, like these stupid ramblings of mine take us to like the bottom of the hour. Um, a couple other things. A, this is for all the uh, American Gladiator fans in the house. Uh, because of the writer's strike, they are bringing back American Gladiator. 
Bridget from upstairs told me that yesterday. She was so excited to share that news with me. So American Gladiator, the TV series, uh, coming back. I don't know that it's reruns. I think it's actually new episodes. I think they are actually going to be producing brand new, uh, fresh, out-of-the-gate installments of American Gladiator. If they bring back Scott Farrell as the announcer, that'll just be the icing on the cake for me. Uh, because he's the, the, the greatest sports announcer of any kind ever in any universe is uh, Scott Farrell. So, anyway, American Gladiator uh, on the comeback. Uh, I have now... confirmed that it is an armed suspect. Where is this? This is from WMUR-TV in Manchester. This is live feed. All right. Called in to explain what's going on. Members of the state police bomb squad are now on the scene, and they are uh, in a tactical area where they can move in quickly if need be. The training that they have is uh, is such that they can handle a variety of different devices should they have to come in contact with something that remains armed. We do not know the threat level at this point. We only know that it is one man who claims to have a bomb strapped to his body in some way, shape, or form, and that there are two people inside. Uh, we are backing off on some of the live interviews, by the way, because we um, clearly don't want to give away any of the police tactical information. And this is at a Hillary Clinton campaign headquarters in New Hampshire. In Rochester, New Hampshire. Major Hambrook from the New Hampshire State Police, who did call in earlier to give us an idea of what type of scene that he responds to, what type of training that his men and women... Okay, so WMUR has backed off live coverage from the scene. We do know the police have blocked off the scene. There is a need for some sense of police privacy, if you will. We do not want to give away any of the uh, movements that are going on, just in case this broadcast, or any broadcast for that matter, are being monitored by the people inside these offices. Um, we certainly do not want to put in, in, anyone in harm's way. Hello, um, uh, the, whether the people that are totally. being held right Here's now where the troops are. in offices or the law enforcement members who have responded or any of the eyewitnesses. We do want to thank the people who have called in to share with us what they saw and get the sense of what happened in the early moments. Let's show you a map very quickly again of the downtown area. That now, we're what is Rochester? What kind of set town is Rochester? Street, Rochester is on the seacoast of New Hampshire. Is it a big town? No, it, it's about uh, maybe 30,000 at the most. Rochester, where this scene is happening right now. It's on the border between New Hampshire and Maine. We do know that Rochester police and state police... Uh, are on the scene and shut down traffic. 20 to 30 businesses affected. A couple of schools at least are affected. Uh, the doors at several elementary and middle schools are currently locked, and children are only being dismissed into their parents' care. We want to pass this down. It's not in full lockdown for the school. Do they know that if it was a guy who just walked in or was the guy who was uh, working there? That's just to me just this moment. Um, Let's see here. Let me just work my way through this because I know there are a lot of concerned parents. This is WMUR right from Rochester, New Hampshire. Here's the bottom line. From Manchester, I'm sorry, Manchester. Manchester. Schools are currently locked. Children are only being dismissed into their parents' care. They are not in a full lockdown, but they're in a precautionary state. That's confirmed at the McClelland School at 59 Brock Street, at the Maple Street School on Maple Street, at the William Allen School on Granite Street. The William Allen School administrator talked to police. They have not been asked to evacuate. They have been told they are in no danger, but they may be going into a full lockdown as soon as we get closer to the 3 p.m. dismissal time. So there is a lot up in the air right now in terms of maintaining the safety of area students. Again, Spalding High School is in a soft lockdown because they're dismissal time. So it's two twenty in the afternoon All right. on the East Coast. Well, let's um, let's come back to this kind of as things as things develop here, and we'll see if CNN has anybody. Uh, See if CNN has somebody up there covering it. So, yeah, so if you just join us, so there's a, some guy claims to have a bomb strapped to himself at the Hillary Clinton campaign headquarters in Rochester, New Hampshire. 
uh, WMUR doing the reporting there. So we'll uh, we'll break early here in just a second, and we'll come back. We'll have uh, we'll have more on that sort of as things develop. Um, okay. Uh, okay. Two campaign officers are being held hostage, apparently. So do we don't do, do do we know if the guy himself worked there? No, we don't know that yet. Just some guy. We don't know from from whence he derives them. All right. Yeah, it is totally going to be one of those days. I can just sense it. Okay, just to put a smile on everybody's face, though. Yeah. I did. I will, real briefly. I did bring this in, ladies and Kim gentlemen. Kim and I were the least interested in this. I give you the atomic marble, right here in this envelope. They're cl- rubbing it. Ew! Why are you touching it? They claim it's safe. I'm going to read you now. This is just because something in Kennewick claims that it's safe. Yes, I know. Uh, why should I die alone? It is because Tim had this whole atomic testing kit the other day that they were selling like in Sears Robux catalog or whatever. Yeah, and it gave people cancer. But that was from like 60 years ago. This is from last year. <laughs> I, this is a marble just like a kid plays marbles with, except well, let me take it out of the package. Okay, this is a gray marble. Can't you can it. see that it's gray. That see? looks kind of brown. Yes, it used to be clear. I'm going to read you now the little the little information. You, you buy these for 50 cents at the Hanford Nuclear... The Hanford Nuclear Museum in uh, in uh, in my hometown. What a great gift idea! Oh, okay. It's so a, it's not made in China. No, it is a. I'll put it there so you can see it. It's okay. A, it's a clear marble that has been turned gray. You know you couldn't can't put a marble in this big slanted stack of paper. Could a child put it in its mouth? <laughs> yes. It it is labeled not candy, by the way. The machine because it's in a gumball machine. Um, now here's the little pack. They, when you buy this atomic marble for fifty cents from the Hanford Nuclear Museum in my hometown, they give you a little envelope to keep it in, which has fun facts on the front. This glass marble was colored by exposure to gamma radiation from a cobalt sixty-six source used for developing the peaceful atom at the uh, Department of Energy's Pacific Northwest Laboratory. It actually says the peaceful atom. This marble is perfectly safe to handle. Gamma and this is where they try to convince you about the many good. This is like when the NRA tries to tell you about the hunting uses of the AK-47. Gamma and several other forms of radiation have many beneficial uses in agriculture and industry. The brown color created by the gamma radiation is caused by electronic shifting. So there you go. This marble is perfectly safe to handle. Handle even though it starts with the glass marble was colored by exposure to gamma radiation from cobalt 66. Who wants to hold it? Not me. Oh, I'll pass. <laughs> I don't like toys. <laughs> All right. So there you go. Uh, we should probably break here. We'll come back at the bottom. We'll check in on the situation. You know, with the, uh, Laura K. Vessel's, uh last day too, and we had like this. We had one of those great finishing conversations. Are you I was sad? like, best of luck to you. No. You know, I don't. I don't mind talking to her at all. She's a she's a nice lady, and she seems excited about her new job. But, yes. But I I I'd already had the great wrap up conversation. Oh, and well, now, now you have, have to call, call back. Well, she might be off the clock though. When does she? Is she only the morning person? No, she's there till noon, I think. All right. Well, sorry about that. Damn it. Maybe I can make a call. That's really the tragedy of this bomb this bomb thing in New Hampshire is that you have to talk to Laura again. And the weird thing was that I just watched Heather's last night before I went to bed. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've talked about the original ending. That, I read we? the original ending. Yeah, where they're all in heaven. Yeah, yeah, and she kills herself. How great is that movie? That's fantastic. Yeah, it, it still ends pretty well, actually. He does the big Jesus Christ pose. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah. All right. And it wouldn't be the same without Martha Dump Trucks or, like, wheeling around her in the wheelchair. It's totally true. I'd like that. All right. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll find out what's up with the bomb at the Hillary Clinton headquarters. Uh, let's see. Steve Kastenbaum, Chris Jericho, Aaron Duran, Rachel McGrath, Top 5 Show Tunes, Zeppelin Giveaway, uh, and all that you said. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Now, that's before they became the Grateful Dead we all hate. There was, like, American Beauty and I think Working Man's Dead is the other one, where they were kind of a country rock band. 
And then they started to suck after that. But they were, no, that American Beauty is in, that's in. American Beauty is such a beautiful album. Indisputably great record. Don't get around that. All right, 503-733-2970. Just a few. We'll talk to CNM Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, who is uh, covering a few things. Um, talking about Giuliani and also the fact that there's this uh, nutcase claims to have it. This is, now, this is not happening in Portland. We should say this uh, first off. But in Rochester, New Hampshire, uh, WMUR is reporting that a man has uh, taken hostages at a Hillary Clinton campaign center claiming to have a bomb strapped to himself. Do we know anything new on that, Tim? Okay, uh, apparently there are two campaign workers being held hostage. Uh, WMUR is now showing a live feed of the office. Maybe we want to pop this up for a minute here. All right, and then we'll welcome Steve Cast yeah, a moment where, this. Um, Or even the exact time. But, okay, this uh, is Adam Krause of Foster's Daily Democrat, which is a newspaper in the, the city of Dover, of which is a city right next to that. Streets, which is about a two-minute walk from the Hillary Clinton office. Uh, I began hearing those reports at about... 12.50 or so, and I say that their build-up there at the staging ground was very fast. Adam, uh, Adam can you still see inside the, the Clinton campaign office from your vantage point or no? Unfortunately, no, but I can see the office from my vantage point, including uh, SWAT team members who are still kind of crouching down, and it looks like, from my perspective, have their uh, rifles trained on uh, you know, a location. All right, there you go. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. That was WMUR uh, from Manchester covering the story that's happening in Rochester, New Hampshire. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Castamon. Hi, Steve. Hey, how are you? Uh, fine. It's, uh, it's one of those days, uh, as Sarah said earlier. You can just sense there's a little bit of madness in the air out there. There's certain days where you can just sense like the whole universe is about to come apart at the seams at any second. Um, and we were only like two minutes into the show when we you know, heard about I'm, this I'm guy. I'm sorry. I was gonna say, it's really funny. Yeah, because when I, I know you guys are just starting your day, and most of the day here had been really relaxed, and, and, and all of a sudden, wham, this happens in, in New Hampshire, and, and um, keeping a close eye on this for you. So is this, so what we've kind of, and I don't know if you have any, any information that is, has not yet made its way to us, but I've, we've, there's some guy, we don't know if he is, I guess we don't know if he, if he worked there or if he was just some nutcase off the street. Um, it, well, we're hearing that he just walked in off, off the street, appeared to have strapped to his body what looked like a bomb. We don't know for sure whether it actually is or not. The bomb squad is uh, part of the uh, response to this uh, emergency. He let two people go. It may have been a mother and a young child, and then made the other two uh, Hillary campaign workers stay inside this office. And that's pretty much it. Uh, we're waiting to find out what sort of demands he may have had or anything like that. Uh, you know, dribs and drabs are coming out right now, but again, it's, it's unfolding as we speak. Uh, CNN has uh, numerous personnel already en route to the scene. Uh, we know Anderson Cooper's heading up there, as well as our New Hampshire campaign reporter who's in the uh, in the state and should be there momentarily. All right, and I guess uh, at this moment all we know is what WMUR said, which is that uh, there's some SWAT guys that are sort of crouched around with their guns trained on the place and, you know, whatever. Just, just as a, as a side note, this is usually the sort of thing that I uh, usually the sort of the thing that I that I uh, I make Lisa Desjardins sort of awkwardly endure. But you do have to wonder at this moment. It, 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 I know this sounds perverse, but you do have to wonder if Hillary is just sitting there staring at a television somewhere, just sort of like just clenching her teeth and just balling up a fist and just vowing that if this guy who has the bomb, if he makes it out of the situation alive, she will have him killed. I'm telling you right <laughs> yeah, well, now. She was supposed to speak at the Democratic uh, at a Democratic National Convention uh, committee meeting, and she uh, canceled that immediately as soon as this happened. So oh yeah, no, she's no her. fool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, 
Obviously, she's got to be really concerned about the, the two volunteers uh, in, in the campaign office. Oh, you know? yeah, and just, and, and you know, and, and uh, she, and I'm not to make light of the situation, but also she's just clearly just such a control freak about this, that the idea of anything beyond her control happening, you know, something that's bad happening associated with her name, that's just, you know, it just, it, it's, it's just a political nightmare for for anybody. Um, and, you know, hopefully it'll all, I mean, in a best case scenario, it's going to turn out that the guy is bluffing uh, and just has some, you know, whatever. Just, just has like a can of Alpo strapped to himself or something. But uh, you know, who knows? Yeah, very often, you know, people who who do things like this, we we've witnessed in the past, uh, they've done it because they wanted to gain attention uh, for some other issue, and it wasn't even uh, as as a result of, of something to do with. You know the the location that they went into, so we'll see. You, you never know. Um, real real briefly, and, I, and then we'll we'll kind of move on because I know you're you're probably uh, overwhelmed with this to kind of come over the transmits we speak. But I know that we were going to talk about Giuliani a little bit, and I did want to ask you a question because there was we were talking about talking about the GOP debate yesterday and about Giuliani and Romney kind of going at each other so hard, and I wanted to ask you this. As a guy, uh, you know, a New Yorker and somebody who sort of saw uh, the ascendance of Rudy Giuliani, this is a really dumb question, but what kind of a campaigner is he traditionally? Is he like a bare-knuckle guy, or does he have, as they say, people uh, uh, for that? I mean, what is his what is his campaigning style? Is he combative? He's tireless. Uh, first of all, I'll tell you, he's tireless. I mean, he will go from the crack of dawn well into the night without without resting all day. He He has an incredible amount of energy and fortitude when it comes to that sort of thing. Uh, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't pull any punches. You know, if he's thinking something, he will let you know. If, if you question him as a reporter, at least when, while he was mayor, if you did this, and he thought your question was idiotic or stupid, or, or, or if he just felt that it was a ridiculous question, he would tell you. He would just say right to you, you know, that's a stupid question. And, and that's the type of guy he was uh, when he was mayor. Maybe he's adopted a softer tone um, while on the campaign trail uh, nationally, but uh, you know you can sometimes see the look in his face, you know, when he what he's thinking, and and uh, his his um, his subordinates and his uh, staff members are incredibly loyal, and uh, his press secretary Sonny Mandel, you know, it's it's no secret that there were times when uh, when he was mayor that she would call up a newsroom and let you, you know, let you know when they were not happy with something that you were reporting, and they would you know she would rip into people on the phone. It's got to so, be a weird sensation, especially you know that you know it, when he's in that position as mayor. Uh, you know, when his people call up and they let you know that the mayor of, of you know the most powerful city in the country is displeased with you. Yeah, I mean that's got to be a particular, a particular kind of weird to well, hear. Well, it was that. actually it was actually insulting to be honest because she wouldn't do it in a in a way that, you know, was was it, it was kind of disrespectful. She would call up and and you know basically yell at people in the newsroom <laughs> to be honest. And this has been reported. It's not something an allegation that I'm just making out of the blue, but it's something that is his press secretary, his press office would do from time to time. Well, that sort of then uh, I know that I know it's linguistically correct to say begs the question because then it's wrong. I forget exactly what the phrase is, but it, it does then sort of uh, prompt this follow-up question at least. Has Rudy and I know everybody in politics acquires enemies as they go along. Do you suppose that Rudy Giuliani has has racked up enough enemies uh, that they're going to end up being his undoing in this whole thing? Well, let me put it to you this way. When Rudy Giuliani came in, he was the first Republican mayor that this city had seen in a long time. And the Democratic Party is and was deeply entrenched in politics here to the point where there was a lot of political patronage going on in the leadership of the city. So when Rudy came in, 
there was an army of fresh new faces because in order to become elected mayor of New York City, you know, and a lot of uh, Republicans say, you know, he really is kind of a Democrat. He's he's so liberal socially that, uh, and and even even on many issues like uh, like he was attacked on his uh, stance on immigration during the last debate. You know, while he was here in New York, he was pretty liberal on that issue. Uh, he you know he came in with this whole new army of people, and and he had to form coalitions with uh what what was called the the liberal party here in new york and and the uh, and, and other sort of you know political organizations here that uh, the cons- conservatives on some issues and whatnot so that there were a whole bunch of different people uh, in his administration uh after he was uh, elected that first time that he you know as any mayor does he owes some favors to because they helped him get elected you know that's that's the reality of politics so some folks were not happy about seeing these new faces come into their agencies that they felt were not experienced enough or qualified for the jobs that they took. And so you can expect to hear that from a lot of people uh, who were members uh, of, of government here in New York City during the Giuliani years. I think you'll start hearing that over the coming weeks. Excellent. The promise of future discord is something that always puts a smile on my face. Yeah, you know, the highest profile one is one of his deputy mayors. Her name, her name is Fran Ryder, and she was sort of an independent and then belonged to this liberal organization, and he elevated her to the point of deputy mayor during his administration. She helped uh, a lot during his campaigns, and uh, she has since switched back to becoming a Democrat, and is now what she calls an ambassador for Hillary Clinton. Uh, uh, so you know you're going to start hearing from her soon. In fact, I'm trying to get an interview with her. Uh, and if, before we wrap this up, I do want to ask you, uh, going from the, uh, the from the political to the... Blah, 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 blah. You know, my mental thesaurus is just not open today for some reason, or all the pages are stuck together or something. Uh, you went to see Les Mis last night. Oh yeah, you got like? Would you get one of those twenty-six dollar tickets or something? No, that was Chicago. Yeah, that was just Chicago. The, uh, the they were they were really smart. They got a ton of free publicity na- nationwide by doing that. I mean, the Friday night show was sold out almost within minutes, and um, most of the weekend tickets uh, were sold uh, during the day as well. Uh, but the other theaters were doing deep discounts. I think I, my discount was probably about twenty-five percent off the uh, the face value of the ticket. I think, and it was great. Uh, the theater was half empty. I sat second row center in the mezzanine. So unbelievable seats, you know, in, in the theater. And uh, I, now I feel like George Costanza because I keep singing the two lines <laughs> of that song. Master of the house, keeper of the inn. And I don't remember the rest of the words. That's it. So just keep singing that over and over again. Fantastic. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, I do have to tell you this, that this is actually, the, the, because I am a bit of a rube, I will tell you that I have actually never seen, uh, like, a full-on uh, Broadway show in uh, in the city. So the closest I ever came is I saw the Rockettes Music Spectacular at Radio, Radio City Music Hall. Even, even a drama, not not a musical, maybe a drama or a comedy? You haven't seen anything like that? I, I really haven't, because just because every time I've gone to New York, it is just, I, I, I have either been there on, I've been there on business a couple times, uh, and then uh, the last time my wife and I went, uh, we went to see the Radio City Music Hall Christmas Spectacular, and it just always seemed like our scheduling was such that at the last minute we realized we had we had set aside no time to do a Broadway thing. So it actually is still as many times as I've been to New York, and I've been there five or six times now. It's just it's, it's one of those things that I have yet to do. So uh, you know, so at some point I got to go. And I think I I think I again missed the Glengarry Glen Ross run because it's like. It, oh. It's one of God's immutable laws that I must constantly miss every run of Glengarry Glen Ross, like, everywhere. So, That's one of the best things you'll ever see. I know. I know. Thanks. Rub that in. Thanks a whole lot. Appreciate <laughs> hey, that. With that said, I didn't see it either. So, But you know what's on Broadway now? They've turned a, a Bronx tale into a drama. Really? Yeah. 
Okay, see, that's been, and, we're talking, and that's the Chaz Parliamentary. Uh, I think it was a play, then a film, now a play again. Or I think it was a book first, and 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 then and and then a play, then a film, then a play, something like one of those that keeps coming around in circles. But, but I, was, really, I really want to see that. Yeah, it was. A, it was most known up until now, anyways, a movie with Robert De Niro and Chaz Parliamentary, uh, who was in Bullets Over Broadway, the, the Woody Allen film. So excellent, fantastic. Well, see, I'm all over that. So see, that might be enough to get me there. So master of the house. Keeper of the inn. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, my friend, which is a fantastic one, have a great weekend. We will talk to you soon. Thank you. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. That guy's fantastic. He really is. I'm still. That's my big disappointment from going to New York, not being able to meet him. Yeah. I can hear the disappointment in his voice when I revealed I'd never seen a Broadway play. Like, he just, I had fallen a peg Everybody. or two in his eyes. Well, I mean. The Rockettes thing was cool. You know, the, here's the reason. Not the sound that just to spend too much time talking. Because then I will, really will become a Woody Allen character. But I, um, wait, do we have breaking yeah, news? Yeah, this is, uh, oh. I was just, I can listen. Tim can't listen in queue, unfortunately. But it said that well, the, um, the hostage takers, he's demanding to talk to Hillary Clinton personally. Yeah, that's going to happen. This situation. Also, uh, another note, Scott, that's just coming in, Barack Obama's office in Rochester, which is, as we hear, just next door, um, along with Senator John Edwards' office. They are also evacuated, but we hear that all of the staff involved in those offices, the Obama office and Edwards' office, they are all safe. So, uh, so this is from WMUR uh, in Manchester, reporting on the situation in Rochester, New Hampshire, where a man has taken two hostages Yes, uh, at a Hillary Clinton headquarters. So there. Um, all right. So, so I guess standoff it continues. Yeah. So I guess but he's he's demanding apparently to talk to Hillary. So we are, as they say, monitoring the situation. Um, keep going back and forth from like horrible to you know to to uh, to frothy and pointless. I but, know it's, it's hard to be jovial when it's like okay, this guy's well, people hostage. I mean, you know, what are you gonna do? I uh, but, but just anyway, just to, to, to briefly tie up the thing with Steve Kastenbaum. The last time uh, Laura and I went to New York. Uh, we were talking about going to see a Broadway play, but I wanted—I had never seen Radio City Musical, and it is such a legendary venue. And in the movie Radio Days, have you seen Radio Days? The no. Woody Allen film? Oh my uh -uh. God, you got to see that. Okay. Oh, you have to. Not just because you work on radio, but I'm I mean, not it's a fan part of, of it. your movie recommendations anymore after seeing The Mist. Uh, That's—I warned you. I warned you in advance, and you've liked the Woody Allen films you've seen, haven't you? Yes. You liked, uh, you've seen Annie Hall. I liked Annie Hall. Yeah, you've seen, uh, I mean, his later... I, mean, I didn't so much like Match Point. Well, see, I didn't really like Match Point either. I saw it because it was free. Yeah. Scott Daly took me as part of a, uh, like, it was, you know, he the, the, the critic screening. I mean, it was well made. It was just really stressful and kind of, it's not like... Another, a, yeah, with a terrible ending again. And, and like, it's not like most Woody Allen films. I mean, Woody Allen, I don't want to turn this into a whole Woody Allen thing, but I mean, he is really one of the greatest filmmakers of all time because he has done... Everything he's done, screwball comedies, slapstick, romantic comedies. Probably, but he is probably the consi consistently makes better romantic comedies than anyone in the history of, of movies. Bless you, because he did. I mean, you look at Annie Hall, Manhattan, Hannah and her sisters. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just the, the, the it's unbelievable. Gonna sneeze? Stop! I was about ready to, and now I can't because you're looking at me. It's this room. I never see it anywhere but in here. Well, now I'm all stuffed up. Um, but he's, Sorry, continue your, he's, your rave about what he no, is. No, it's just that he is both overrated and underrated because there are people who say he never makes a bad film, and that's not true. And there are other people who, you know, who just hate him for no readily apparent reason, and I don't get that either. But he's, he's made um, movies that are based in magic realism, like uh, uh, um, uh, Crimes and Misdemeanors has some of that, and The Purple Rose of Cairo, which is an unbelievable film. Have you ever seen The Purple Rose of Cairo? I haven't seen a lot of Woody Oh, Allen my God. Films. The Purple Rose of Cairo 
And people think that Woody Allen films are really high-minded and intellectual, and you got to be some sort of snooty snob. To, but you know, they're they're really not. They're really just these big crowd-pleasing films. But because they are largely set in Manhattan, um, people think that they're somehow like off-puttingly academic. Purple Rose of Cairo. Real brief, though, I'll give you like the two-line synopsis. It's a fantastic film. Um, uh, with uh, I can never I can never William Daniels, Jeff Bridges, and Jeff Daniels. I can never remember who is who. Um, the guy from Arachnophobia. Jeff Daniels? That's Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. No, it's Jeff Daniels. Jeff no, Bridges Jeff is the guy Br- from... Fa- Jeff Bridges is the guy from Jagged Edge. Wait, William... wait, I think it was. I thought it was Jeff... No, Jeff Bridges is... Is he the one from, um... <laughs> I don't know. Who's the guy in Arachnophobia that goes, there haven't been any crickets in Kanaima in some time? No, that isn't... <clears throat> Jeff Bridges is the dude. It's... Okay, then it's not him. It's Jeff yeah, Daniels. Jeff Daniels. Okay. The point is, uh, the Purple Rose of Cairo... Stars a very. It's about a very lonely woman um, who goes and she spends all her days going to the theater, uh, to, 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 to the movies, and watching. <clears throat> and, and it takes place, I think, in the 50s. Um, but it's about a very lonely woman who spends all of her time going to the theater and watching uh, this sort of Indiana Jones type adventure film starring Jeff Daniels, and he's like this Indiana Jones guy. And she just and that she has no life, no lover, no friends, no family, and so she spends all of her days at the movies watching this watching this adventure film called The Purple Rose of Cairo. It's like it's like an Indiana Jones thing. And then one day she, you know, the Jeff Daniels character on the screen, he looks out at the audience. And just steps out off the screen into the real world with her. And so the movie is about this Indiana Jones guy having stepped off the screen, wandering around the real world with her. And and so it follows two stories simultaneously. Him wandering around the real everyday world and the rest of the characters on the movie screen who are standing there and don't know what to do because he just walked off the screen into the real world. And they treat it completely real. They treat it as like what would really happen if a guy from a movie screen somehow stepped into the real world. Mm-hmm. It's just and it's it's just sweet and hilarious and great, and it's amazingly imaginative. He's done a musical. You know, he did Everyone Says I Love You, which is a full-on, flat-out musical. Um, you know, he's just he really is amazing. Well, now I really want to see that Purple Rose of Cairo. It's good. It's just it's it's great. It's just a wonderful little film. Uh, anyway, he did Radio Days, which is might be my favorite Woody Allen film except for Crimes and Misdemeanors and he's got a whole sequence that is just a big love letter to Radio City Music Hall where he describes going to see Radio City Music Hall when he was a kid and that's why Laura and I wanted to go see it and it's just the way it looks exactly the way it used to it is just a palace have you been there? I walked, uh, I oh walked by there the last time I was in New York it is just took a bunch of pictures of it unbelievable it is just such a beautiful place and so we saw and it's not like I'm a big Rockettes fan or something but I mean it's great on a couple different levels because A, it's Radio City Musical. B, the Rockettes are this kind of weird retro thing. It's like you feel like you're in World War II, you know, where mm-hmm. you, the Rockettes are coming out and they're doing the synchronized, the dancing, do and the whatever. Do they do that? Yeah, they do it. We saw it two years ago. Huh. And you do feel like it's about 1944, uh, where it is uh, it is retro and not even really a campy way. You just feel like you've fallen into some sort of time machine. So, uh, anyway, that's why we didn't see a Broadway thing, so we went to see Radio City Musical. So. Anyway, I will stop gushing about Woody Allen. He's made some bad films. There's no getting around that. But, man, i got to tell you, that guy makes a movie a year, and about 80% of them are great. So, it's, uh, yeah, the Purple Rose of Cairo is good. It's, um, it's, it's, it's quite a film. It really is. And if you like that, you know, I'll be happy to kind of steer you away from his bad films. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, let's get this call, um, and then we'll uh, break. I thought, all right, Richie, you know, here's what we're going to do also, Richie. We're going to do um, 
one round of the Zeppelin contest right here. We're going to get that. I always feel bad for the people who listen in this hour, and maybe people who don't get to listen the rest of the day, because they get screwed out of the contesting, because I was doing it too. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, for your shot of the Zeppelin six-disc uh, six collection, the Mothership uh, collection, song remains the same on DVD and CD from Warner Home Video, and a holiday Alefest gift pack. We'll take caller 5 at uh, 503-733-2970 for your shot at that. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick, Rick, this is Randy. Hey, uh, you were talking about Jeff Daniels. He was also in uh, Pleasantville. Pleasantville, that's right. Yeah, he was whatever, the soda jerk or whoever it very, is. Very similar theme. Exactly. But, uh, but good film. Uh, oh, you know, uh, has Rick Emerson wet his beak with the Futurama movie yet? Oh, Bender's Big Score, the Futurama DVD. Um, when we were at the Geek House at the beach last week, uh, Fat Boy from KUFO had that. And he, no, start, he started to put it in, and I'm like, no, 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 I've got, because I, I'm like, no, 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 I want to wait and get the full experience. I didn't want to watch it, you know, just because we were kind of going in and out of the room doing different things. And so, no, that's, it, that's good. It, I was going to say, it was made available to me, but I have not watched the new Futurama film yet. I wanted to wait and watch it properly. Yeah, uh, in my opinion, uh, more entertaining than the Simpsons film. Really? Well, the Simpsons film was, was good, but sort of ultimately pointless. Well, we'll see. The Simpsons film takes you to new to a new place, and you know when they do a big film, they say, "Okay, we'll do something different." But Futurama, it does the same, and which is fantastic because that's what Futurama does. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm all over that, so I am going to watch that soon. Uh, interesting, uh, interesting thing you mentioned the beach house, uh, Rick. You guys were sitting there, uh, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not going into the birthday thing, but you guys were sitting there uh, watching movies, doing guy things. Um, and uh, I'm not only in the Rick Emerson Book Club, but I'm also a charter member of the Rick Emerson uh, Video Club. Yes, sir. Okay. And so we do as you do, and we go and do likewise. When you say do something, we do it. Uh, that's what we listeners do. And so you were talking about uh, Superbad. Oh, you love Superbad. Yes. And I'm like, oh, well, I need to <laughs> This Rick Emerson says it's good enough for me. I'm going to go to the, to the kiosk outside of the... Attention uh, advertisers. You two can reach this easily molded demographic. I'm going to go to the to the restaurant, uh, to the kiosk outside the right. restaurant where I work, yes. and, and rent it rent it right away. I know where this is going. And and, and uh, but uh, it's not available legally until uh, what next week or the week after. And I'm like, uh, how? I, uh, I know. no, I'm sorry. No. Wait, 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 what? wait, wait, Rick. I got more. I got more. No, what? Well, wait. no, no. Uh, unfortunately, damn it, all the hell. Oh, that's unfortunate. Randy, and next time you call, if you could turn up your phone volume a little, that'd be rad. Because right. Randy has good phone calls, but you can never hear him because it's so quiet. I know, it's unfortunate. He was asking me something about Superbad, but it's lost to me now. Uh-huh. I don't know what he was talking about. You're mean. I don't know. Uh, I got nothing. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Caller 5, sir, madam, is the case. Maybe who is this? Hi, this is Marisa. Marisa, hello. How are you, Marisa? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I am fantabulous. All right, uh, Marisa, are ye a Led Zeppelin fan? Yes. All right. So here's the thing, uh, Marisa, because uh, because you are the first contester today, uh, I will give you the option. Uh, you may either answer a piece of Led Zeppelin trivia, or you can identify a Led Zeppelin song done in a different style. Uh, which would you prefer? Trivia. All right. Well done. You're the first oh. person to select that. All right. Here is your piece of Led Zeppelin trivia. Uh, at stake is the two-disc Mothership collection, uh, as well as the song remains the same on DVD and CD from Warner Home Video and the Holiday Ale Fest gift pack. All right, Marisa. What wa- and I will then give you uh, 15 seconds to ponder this uh, once I have asked you. Marisa, what was the first Led Zeppelin album to have a proper non-numeric title?
said, Marisa, what was the first Led Zeppelin album to have a proper non-numeric title? I don't know. Oh, oh. boo. I know. I'm sorry. All right. Well, that's all right. That's okay. Marisa, thank you so much for attempting to answer this. We appreciate your patronage and your listenership regardless. Happy holidays. Thank you. All right. There you go. Uh, well, let's do one more while we're doing this here. Uh, I wanted her to win. Yeah, me too. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, who is this? Miles. Hi, Miles. Hello. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. All right. Are you a Led Zeppelin fan? Uh, yes. All right. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think if I have. Uh, I'm trying to think if I have more Led Zeppelin trivia like at my fingertips. Okay. Do you prefer Led Zeppelin trivia or identifying a Led Zeppelin song? Uh, give me the song. All right, sir. Uh, I'm gonna play a Led Zeppelin song done in a different style. Okay. Uh, you'll then have uh, about ten seconds to ponder it, and then we'll ask you what that song was. Are you ready, sir? Yes. All right. Are you, did you say? Did you say that you were a Zeppelin fan? I am a Zeppelin fan. All right. Well, that'll help then. All right. Yeah. I'm going to play you a Led Zeppelin song done in a different style. You'll then have ten seconds to identify it. All right, Miles. Let me make sure I'm turned up here. All right, Miles. Identify this Led Zeppelin song. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was a Zeppelin song done in a different style. Miles, can you identify that song? That sounded absolutely horrible through my phone here. All right, we'll uh, let you listen to it on the uh, on the radio there. Yeah. Lay your money down. Alimony. All right, sir, I will give you ten seconds now to ponder that song. the internet where would i be without the net mm, all right sir yeah. miles do you know the name of that led zeppelin song uh i gotta say alimony but i know that's not the name of the song sadly that is incorrect my friend uh, all right thank you so much for attempting and uh spread the word about the rick emerson show thank you all right uh well we probably don't have time to do another one here that's okay or do we sarah yeah all right well, let's do one more and then we'll break uh, we need hi. to give away these things. All right, hello, hello, sir, madam, is the case maybe. Are you a, are you a Led Zeppelin fan? I am indeed. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. I will play you a Led Zeppelin song done in a different style, uh, and then you will have ten seconds to identify it. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. All right, hold on. Let me uh, get this up here. Let's see here. Um, all right, here is a Led Zeppelin song done in a different style.
right, you will now have 10 seconds to identify this I song. I know it. I know it. Ah, what is it, sir? Dazed and Confused. Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> it's not true. All right. Well, fantastic. I'm glad somebody finally won that. All right. Me too. Oh, uh, I've been trying to call in every time you've done this contest. All right. Awesome. So, well, congratulations, my friend. I'm going to put you on hold. You have won. The song remains the same on DVD with 40 minutes of brand new footage, uh, 5.1 uh, surround sound, uh, as well as uh, the two-disc Mothership collection. The song remains the same remastered on CD from Warner Home Video and uh, uh, the Holiday Ale Fest gift pack as well from AM970. Congratulations, sir. All right. Thank you, Rich. All right. There you go. I'm going to put you on hold. Richie will get your information. Well done. Good Christ. All right, back after this with Tim Riley and the new news hour. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Without any further ado, let's get to this breaking news at the Ministry of Truth. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, in case you just joined us about an hour or so ago, a guy who claims to have a bomb strapped to his chest went into the Hillary Clinton campaign headquarters in Rochester, New Hampshire, took hostages, apparently let a couple go, but is now holding two campaign workers hostage. This is in uh, Rochester, New Hampshire. Uh, no shots have been fired. Uh, nobody's been injured so far. And uh, Hillary Clinton has just released a statement. In it, the senator says her campaign remains in close contact with state and local authorities. Apparently, this guy wants to talk to Hillary. Uh, maybe we can go to the uh, the WMUR that's on my computer here and find out what's going on. There are also people in this area who live in apartment buildings above the businesses in this area. A lot of people we saw drive by in the few minutes after this first started were asking the officers here, do you know where so-and-so is who lives in that building there? Just trying to get in touch with their loved ones, people perhaps they couldn't reach on their cell phones. But as of right now, it's a lot of people who have come to check out to see what's going on. Uh, people taking pictures, people uh, you know, banding together just to kind of figure out what's going on. It's certainly something that doesn't happen down here in downtown Rochester, uh, perhaps ever before. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Directly behind you. Is that correct? Isn't that the district court? I, I'm sorry, okay. Scott. I, is, I was just asking. So what, what's going you, on? This campaign headquarters so is uh, located exactly in the storefront in downtown Rochester, New Hampshire, which is about that 30 or 40,000 people. So it's a sleepy New Hampshire town. Yes, a very sleepy New Hampshire town. It is on the border with Maine in the southeastern part of the state. And they were just trying to get to their cars behind uh, behind. Uh, uh, and if uh, the, the, the CNN television uh, coverage of this, um, uh, geez, uh, should they be showing it like that? Right well, well, the guy's got to know. They're, they're, they're showing that there's SWAT yeah. team guys like on, it to exactly where they are. Yeah, there's SWAT team guys uh, out front and to the right of the Hillary Clinton. Let's it's basically that. a storefront. You, it, it's, you know what it is? It's like they're all backing up. Someone who was inside has now been let go. Okay, somebody inside has just been let go. You can get more information. All right, so he's apparently there were two hostages, and he's now let one of them go. Davis reporting live 
from the scene as he verifies what uh, what may have been the release of one of the two Clinton campaign hostages at the staff headquarters there on uh, North Main Street. So we're watching. Uh, this is the WMUR. Who's the principal of Spalding? Man, High this is School, really. Who might be able to help us clarify. Kind of as the this is the WMUR uh, feed right now uh, uh, from uh, Manchester, covering this hostage-taking um, situation in uh, in Rochester, New Hampshire. And what you apparently he's let uh, one hostage go. He's got to know that the SWAT guys are all outside anyway, though. Thank you very much for joining us, Principal so. Shea. Could you share with us uh, what you've done to this point and any information you think parents need to know right now? It looks like they all uh, walked back you with him. Did you see right. that? They all came to the door and were dismissed per regular dismissal. We got word from the Rochester Police Department about seven, eight minutes after a regular dismissal. Sometime around 2.20, 2.25, that it was safe to dismiss students. So, so Obama headquarters is like right next door to Hillary's. Really? You can see Obama headquarters right there. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said, the, I thought you said a bomb headquarters. No, I swear to God, I what you said. That's handy. We continue classes and business so as usual Hillary. in the school. Yeah. So points down is Obama headquarters. All right. So it's very convenient. until we got word. Um, which we did from Rochester Police, a little after a regular dismissal that it was okay to let kids go. Hey, it's Jennifer Vaughn here in Manchester. Yep. Um, let me ask you about after-school activities. What, what's the status of that for the students today? The, uh, our assumption, and we initially, sometime shortly after our school dismissal, we were hopeful that actually the situation had been resolved. Um, shortly thereafter, we realized it hasn't, and it's still going on right now, to my understanding. Um, we have a talent show this evening, and we have a Honeywell Instant Alert message system where we get word out to parents, um, which we've used a couple times today to let them know what's going on. Uh, we're hopeful this will be resolved. We got a uh, National Honor Society-sponsored talent show this evening. Well, the talent show has to continue. The talent show must go on. I mean, those children have been practicing for weeks. All right, don't forget the Christmas pageant. So this is WMUR from Manchester, New Hampshire. We're talking about this guy with a bomb strapped to himself. And it's funny, they can you drop that just a hair? It's funny, the cops are now no longer saying allegedly a bomb. They're saying it is a bomb now. I don't know if they know something we don't know. I noticed that they changed the text on the screen as well. Police. Man has bombs strapped to And he used to say, yeah, reportedly. So he's inside the Hillary Clinton uh, campaign headquarters in Rochester, New Hampshire, with was two hostages. Uh, let one go. And it apparently, yeah, he's let one go, so it looks like it would then be him and one hostage remaining. He's demanding to talk to Hillary Clinton. But he's going to be brought down. I mean, it's too pretty of a, a downtown area to have anything happen to it. It has to be stopped. Yes. That's not going to be tolerated. Scott again over at the desk here. The people at Rochester won't tolerate such shenanigans. Absolutely not. Schools may be a sort of different definitions right now. All right. Can you describe the differences for us of a soft lockdown to? We should probably. This is probably pointless. This is hearing. Unless you're a Rochester parent. Unless you're a fourth grader. The talent show schedule. Hey, really? Unless your unless your kid is in finger painting class at Rochester Elementary. Oh, really? Clarify what's happening. That's right, Scott. We did talk to one of the officers here, one of the sergeants who's down here at this area, who told us that two people were released from the office while we were in that live shot there. Two people released. Oh, now, now we're just waiting for the office to blow all up. All of them were uh -huh. released, but if I mean, that's the thing. Now you're just cringing. Two people inside. That would lead us to believe that all of the hostages have been released at this point. But again, an officer here at this point confirming that behind us there, that uh, WMUR hostage that Manchester. you see here in the green sweater running out, this is the second of two hostages to be released out of the campaign office.
Again, we know that uh, the officer saying two were released. If we thought all along that two were inside, then that would mean uh, you could deduce all, right. all so of the hostages. All right, so WMER shows up, blonde girl in a green sweater. She was the final hostage? Go out of that I guess so. As far well, they're saying, all, they're the, saying two uh, the hostages, but they're not saying all of them. All of this. We don't know. Because uh, they have said that, that there were two hostages. WMER seems to have the building. We haven't heard any more chatter over their loudspeaker at this point. But at this point... Again, and then a freight train and an Amtrak train collided. Oh, uh, Jesus, that, God. Uh, that building. Not in the same okay, place, Okay, Joshua, we're looking that, at that was Illinois. <laughs> Amtrak hit the building. Sweater ...who's walking out assisted by the member of the SWAT team. Did you happen to see the other person being released out of the building? Jen, we did not, and when I turned back around, the officer told us that that was the second of two hostages to be taken out. That woman in the green sweater, I'm told, was rushed over to a cruiser who then sped out of here. We this is a WMUR in Manchester. It's a girl the, in the green sweater. Uh, man center of where this is. And uh, yeah, in Chicago, for police. an uh, Amtrak train hit something else. What did it hit? Another was, train? But, yeah, uh, it hit a freight train. Brewer so down an here right now Jesus. working on that aspect. Uh, um, uh, so an Amtrak has just hit a freight train in Chicago. It happened a little uh, while ago. Oh, did it really? Yeah. Yeah. I guess it was being covered Increased by the situation. decreased at all since those people have left the building? It appears that, uh, Jen, that uh, the SWAT team is still gathered around uh, their vehicle at this okay, point. Okay, they're going to blow him away. To yeah. <laughs> We're getting tired of this. I mean, the commerce of the, the downtown Rochester area has come to a standstill. <laughs> Things crazy, must, man. Order must be restored. He's probably not even a New Hampshire native. No. Well, of course, because people from New Hampshire That's don't do things the like that. Come from. He's, a, he's, a, he's a carpetbagger. From Massachusetts. <laughs> Possibly Maine. We don't, we don't take kindly to your type here. Uh, all right. Well, it is worth noting that even CNN headline news has actually cut away from the Hillary thing now that the hostages are out, and they're talking about this Amtrak, this Amtrak that hit a passenger tra- or a freight train. So, this is a great day all the way around. All right. Well, WMUR has preempted Oprah. Yeah, wow. So you know it's serious. Well, you know Oprah's going to step in and solve this then, because that's another thing that can't be allowed to happen is the preempting of Oprah. So Oprah's going to... Uh... So the two hostages have been released from the Clinton campaign office, so the guy with the bomb is still in there. And CNN has actually started going to commercials now. So you can tell that they either think he's bluffing or, or that he's not going to do anything. So. And the gal with the green sweater was really, she was apparently the, the last of the two hostages. And frankly, let's be honest, if he blows himself up, we'll get to see it a thousand times by the, you know, by the end of the afternoon on replay anyway. So, God God bless technology. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so, there you are. So, we'll uh, keep covering that uh, that unfolding situation in Rochester, New Hampshire, uh, where a guy's a bomb and he's at the Hillary campaign headquarters. So, there. So, there you go. What else is happening, Tim Riley? Well, locally, we have two big storms coming in this weekend. And not only will the snow level drop to as low as 500 feet, but it, it's going to be the most serious windstorm we've had in years. That's great. Wonderful. My two favorite things. So, just so you know ahead of time. Now, when they say 500 feet, that's kind of a fundamentally useless fact to give us, because here's the thing. I don't know what that means. In elevation. I, so, the West Hills, I was just where, saying, I just... where all the rich people live, yes. it doesn't affect you. Okay. You're so, a flatlander. So, here's a dumb question. So, when they say... So if the snow level was at zero feet, mm-hmm. or is that sea level? Is that sea level? Right, it's 500 feet above sea level. Okay, is Portland like here where we are right now? Are we sea level? 
a little above that. Okay, so we're we like, had this discussion not too long. Ago. Yeah, but it was about, but it was a different kind of discussion because it, we weren't talking. We were talking about like what? What was it? Fifteen thousand feet or something. Now it's the other way. So if the West Hills are at 500 feet, yeah. does that mean that here? So here in Portland, we're roughly at sea level. So, yeah. so that big house on the West Hills with the martini on the side of it, they're going to get snow. Yes, they will. But not and what me. do they care? I know they the have everything they need. <laughs> do you? Yeah. They have a beautiful wine cellar and probably a basketball court inside. No, who used to. My friend Servants used quarters. to live there. Um, it, it, because that house is it's a real so Portland random. landmark. Yeah. Totally. Well, that's them. What they because they the great thing about that house is that they um. Hold on. Washington Redskins safety shot during burglary. Wait, this is is this the other guy? Is this the guy who's already... That no, was the, that's, Sean Taylor. Oh, that's no, okay. I thought it was another one. Jesus. I was, They're going back to Monday now, just okay. to confuse people. Jesus, I thought it was going to be like another NFL player shot, too. Um, uh, but I guess they have... Uh, police have detained three people in connection now with the death of Sean Taylor. So that is the other breaking news. So three people have been detained in connection with the death of NFL star Sean Taylor... Also, two trains hit each other in Chicago, plus a guy has a bomb strapped to his chest at Hillary campaign headquarters. Ka-ching! Um, I'm going to go on the celebrity gossip sites now because yeah. something's got to be going on in that world, Jesus. too. Jesus. Um, so, no, but that martini house, the reason that it's such a, 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 a landmark is because they keep it lit year-round. It's not just a Christmas mm-hmm. thing. That, that, uh, that martini is there year-round, so everybody's like, yeah, the martini house. So you know the people who live there? Yeah, I know uh, a person who used to live there. This is part of you traveling in different circles than the rest of us, so... All right. Uh, yeah, and the hostages apparently are all out of the... Uh, well, that's the last time they're going to take a volunteering job. Seriously? You want to go work at the Peace Corps? No. No, I don't. I want to go work at a bank. Someplace with lots of thick-ass glass. I wonder if they're not 100% sure that it was only two people in the building. Um, because they are being very hesitant in saying two have been well, released. Uh, well, but it seems like they would know because it's it maybe... Well, maybe not, though. I was going to say maybe one of the hostages would be able to tell them how many people were left inside. But you know what? Like, if you took me, if you yanked me out onto the street right now and asked me how many people were still inside CBS, I wouldn't be able to tell you. So, fair enough, I guess maybe they wouldn't know. Yeah, I mean, like, if, they, if you just said, like, how many people are on this floor of CBS Portland, I would have no idea. Or upstairs. Or upstairs. Well, that's that's a whole different, that's a whole different ball of wax. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Are you guys still part of the uh, CBS family over there? Unless you know something we don't, sir. Okay, well, I was going to say, if you go to, uh... The Coin6 website, there's an elevation chart there readily available for the Portland metro area. And also a picture of Ed Whalen. And also, yes. His picture was still up for weeks. I don't know if it's gone now, but his... um. His his picture was his picture was still up there for like three weeks after they fired him. Uh, did you um did you get your uh, copy of uh, Iron Eagle at Best Buy DVD three ninety nine this weekend? No, I'm gonna do that. No, I'm I'm gonna do that this coming weekend. I will be okay. buying Iron Eagle. Until Saturday, keep in mind three ninety nine Best Buy. Wait, oh, is it what is it? Go back to regular price after um. Yeah, it's uh, it's the weekly advertisement. You know, to get you in there for that week. It's you can't get it on Sunday because so, that's the new ad. So I have until the end of Saturday to get Iron Eagle starring uh, Lou Gossett Jr. and Jason Gedrick on DVD right. for three ninety nine. That's right. And and the favorite key line in that movie? Yeah. I'm gonna bleep that. What? All right. I don't think you can say that, and I don't think he says right, that in the film. In the so movie, he meant to say. You know, yeah. I believe uh, he, he chose the wrong oh, proposition. Yeah. Don't come on, Dad. Me. Don't come on, Dad. Me. He. he uh, do you see the? Do you, do, you, do you see? Do you see the difference? <laughs> what, a, what a couple of words make. Just flip them around. A yeah, little. seriously. The don't come on, Dad. Me. Do you see how that works? But then if you reverse those yeah, words, it becomes a thing I have to believe. So much. Not so much. Always yeah. remember. 
as George Carlin once said, always remember that you only <laughs> that you are only allowed to talk about pricking your finger. Nice. So there you go. All right. Fantastic. You know. All right. Thank you. Bye now. Yes. Yes, you can. If one is perhaps darning a sock, one may uh, one may prick one's finger, but never any other combination of those words. All right. Uh, let's see here. Um, all right. Yeah. So the hostages have been released, apparently, according to CNN. So that's the deal. There. And they said the girl in the green sweater was not crying. Really? Yeah. Okay. She's a very brave girl. Wait. So now we have Chris Jericho happening today, but it's earlier. Jesus, it is one of those days, isn't it? Uh, hold on a second. Let before we do it. Uh, it's called Sex Panther oh, by Odeon. Please hurry back soon. It's quite pungent. Let's uh, now welcome to the Rick Emerson Radio Program, our good friend uh, Richie Bristol. Hello, Richie, and how Hello. are you today? All right, so what is happening today? Uh, Chris Jericho. What time? In about, what, 45 minutes at 1 o'clock? 1 o'clock. I right. got that. Okay. I think Eastern is 4 p.m., right? So that's 1 o'clock. Yeah. Yes, it is. Okay. All right. So we will be talking to WWE star Chris Jericho at 1 p.m. today. Huh? All right. Excellent. Fantastic. And then um, the uh, and so the other guy, is that Monday? Yep. Monday. Monday at 2 o'clock. Uh, and yeah, I, guess I saw that. That's we're cool. Gonna, uh, I guess we'll spring that. We have a kind of a cool guest Monday at 2. I don't want to ruin the surprise. Uh, but coming up Monday in the 2 o'clock hour... Uh, we have a we have a cool guest coming in, coming uh -huh. into the studio with us, and then next Friday, Tommy Thayer from Kiss. So it's an action. And today eight. we're also talking to the Found Footage Festival guys. That's right. That's in the That's two o'clock hour. Tonight. It's all very exciting. All right. So Chris Joker in about forty five minutes. Fantastic. Um, and by the way, Richie, just before we get back to the news, did I see that you have now put all of your cologne on display in the window of your of your room back there? Well, not all of it. Richie but... and I worked together today to. Um, I got him down to one squirt. <laughs> and um, he don't let me call me dad. <laughs> don't come on, dad, me. With one squirt of cologne. Uh, and so, so what? So you did? So you... he was like, so he had all of his cologne in the window, and so I smelled all of them, and he let me pick um, the one that smelled the best, which is like the naked man chest one, which is really weird. I'm sorry. He has a bottle shaped like a like a man chest. Uh huh. Like a, it's a torso with no arms or head or. It's legs. like a Venus de Milo, but, totally, but a man. But it has a giant bulge. Which is scratched up because it extends farther out of the bottle than the rest. Uh huh. And so when you lay it down, it's. See, so a bottle right. shaped like a bulging crotch. Yeah. It's All top right. shelf, so hopefully it's the best. Sure. The top. Yeah. You can always tell the top shelf have always has a huge crotch <laughs> thing on it. Um, the one that Timmy likes. Yeah. Uh, the, what? Timmy. Remember, he said he's drawn to this bottle. Oh, Timmy Ryan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The um, Let me ask you this. So then, now, were you wearing cologne when you came in today at all? Uh-uh. Okay, so then you let Sarah's had to work from scratch. Uh-huh. All right, fantastic. All right, hold yeah, on. Not, and he smells good. Hold on, hold on. That's not bad. It's just, you just need one squirt. Like, you've been... And you know what? I yourself. like that because that is, that is, it's a very uh, sort of natural kind of scent. I kind of, it's I like that. It's very musky. It is, it's not, maybe that's that. a speed stick. Well, maybe I'm smelling that, too. Uh, yeah, I just cut down to one use of that, too. All right. Okay, Chris Jericho <laughs> at 1 o'clock. All right, thank you. Richie okay, Bristol, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. And a special uh, guest coming up Monday in the 2 o'clock hour, which is going to be pretty cool, actually. Um, all right, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth on this very busy Friday. So the latest on this uh, hostage guy, WMUR, reports he has a history of mental illness. That's great. Wonderful. Oh, so he let two hostages go. Well, and we're hoping there aren't any others in there. Yeah, no one really knows. Uh, it is worth noting that yeah, that CNN is going to commercials at the moment, so uh, so they apparently don't believe anything uh, that really crazy is going to be happening. Apparently, eight Mount Tabor 
is 800 feet above sea level. NATO Parkway is 25 feet above. That's where we are. Okay, so we're 25 feet above sea level. Mm -hmm. And apparently I ask this every year. All right. Like uh, every week. We talked about this. I can't be expected to retain this information. Uh, boy, you want to talk about uh, about realizing how much stuff you forget over time, though? I was talking to Susan Reynolds uh, yesterday, and, you know, Susan has the kids and the whatnot. So she goes home. This is another reason not to become a parent, because you then get ambushed by this question. She was blindsided by this. She goes home, and her younger daughter, uh, Lucy, who is the, uh, you know, is the one who uh, who, who uh, it took down Scotty in the, uh, in the spelling bee. So... Mm -hmm. So great. So she goes home, and her daughter is like, Mom, how do you divide fractions? Or no, how do you add fractions? And it was like mixed numbers. Like, what is three and one quarter times seven and five eighths? Uh, and it's like, no one knows how to do that. No one anywhere knows how to do that at all. Uh, so, uh, and so she, <laughs> um, Susan said she actually went online and was like trying to Google, like, how to do it. Like, she was actually trying to determine how you, in fact, do the mixed numbers. And was completely, it, it couldn't even find the answer. You type that into Google and it just takes you to some weird, freakish, like, PhD astrophysics page. And so I think Susan ended up actually emailing the teacher and saying, like, I don't know how to do this, and I'm simply screwing up my daughter with every attempt to get it done. Um, and you realize I couldn't, man, I couldn't multiply a fraction of my life dependent on it at this point. I mean, it's just because you realize it's one of those things you're never, ever, ever going to use again. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. So we have this comment now on the uh, Hillary Clinton situation from uh, Howard Dean. And it's A, because of a community oh, level no, involvement. No, no. Uh, let's see. It's supposed to be at my computer. Here we go. C, at an office like this. This is your computer. Oh, I get it. Okay. Hang on a minute. On a normal basis. Let me do this. Here we go. Understandably, Senator Clinton is now dealing with his very difficult problem, and she is not going to be able to join us today. So there. Oh. Damn it, I was trying to do the Howard Dean thing again, and then it all went all Criswell on me. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. <laughs> Damn it. Thank you. An argument on a max trade led to a stabbing last ending Gresham, like we should be surprised. Uh, let's see. Four people apparently started arguing on the eastbound train and got off the max at 188, and Burnside to settle the score. Police later found 19-year-old Aubrey Smith bleeding at a nearby 7-Eleven. <laughs> he was taken to a hospital. Why should I'm they bother? <laughs> Bleeding the nearby 7-Eleven. Mm -hmm. uh, His injuries are not considered life-threatening. The stabbing suspect is described as a white man in his late 20s with brown shoulder-length hair. He's about 5'10", 175 pounds. He has a goatee. He was unshaven and wore a red, which wasn't red before he started bleeding, green and gold hoodie. The other suspect is also described as a white man in his 20s. He was clean-shaven, wore a red hoodie also, jeans and a white T-shirt. All right. So anyway, they're still arguing what to do with the max. Get rid of fairless squares, some people say. That's a good idea, isn't it? But the only problem is, how do you stop people from getting on there? Uh, so they're talking about uh, maybe they'll put up some gates and let you into it like it's a concentration camp type of thing. <laughs> exactly like that. Um, the uh, I, I will skip the obligatory uh, blah, blah, blah. It's more like homeless square, blah, blah, blah. But I don't even... I mean, there really is no way, unless you you only have, and they've learned this in New York, I think, that there's really only two options. One is to just make it really, uh, is to uh, spend a lot of money 
uh, installing equipment to make sure that you have to pay before you get on the public San transit. San Francisco has it too. Yeah, or just well, how do they do it in San Francisco? Like, are you talk, like on the on the BART or whatever that is? Yeah, the the BART. You put, you put your card in, and then it opens the thing that lets you walk through, and then it spits your pass back out. That's what they do in New York. So in New York, you have to have um, they don't do tokens anymore, uh, but they have a pass. And it's like a, a library card. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have and, a metro card. I have one. Yeah, yeah, you slide it in, and it opens the turnstile for you, and then it spits it out on the other side. It is a great idea. And but then they have to pay a guy there to make sure that you know that's exactly it. Uh-huh. Sarah's going, and then you so you have to make sure that you don't uh you know that you have to have a, a guard there to make sure you're not hopping the turnstile as they used to say. Along with her staff here in New Hampshire, with whom we've been in contact throughout. This is the uh, latest. This is WMUR. No real yeah. official comment. Um, other than the two. WMUR, where this uh, in in uh, Manchester, covering the story in Rochester, New Hampshire, where a guy has a bomb strapped to his chest inside the Hillary Clinton uh, campaign headquarters. Top of North Main Street, where we are. Somebody did some of your really hilarious screen capture from this story. It's of the SWAT team aiming at the store, but the the perspective of the camera is such that there's there's like a big mannequin like Santa Claus, and the perspective of the camera is such that it looks as though for all the world like they're getting ready to gun down Santa Claus. It's fantastic. I'll put it on my website. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir, madam, as the case may be. Hello. Hi, Rick, sir, Tim. Does the guy with the bomb on him mean we don't get to hear the show tunes later? I'm sorry? Yeah. Are you you're running over with the bomb? Are we going to get to hear the show tunes? Oh, we will get to the show tunes. Oh, no, no, no. We'll get to the show tunes. I, yeah, no, no, no. That, no that, nothing nothing can stop the show tune countdown. I was afraid, I was afraid a douche with a bomb might ruin it. We're not going to let the terrorists win, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. So ABC, ABC reports that the suspect told his son to watch the news today. Daddy's going to be on TV. Daddy's crazy. Oh. Ask her really? Yeah. About what happened inside. Okay. Perhaps learn from her how to best uh, gauge this person. I don't even really know how to respond to that. You need to talk to the girl in the green sweater. The campaign office. In the moments uh, immediately after this uh, news, this situation developed, and we're guessing it was just shy of one o'clock that this man walked through the doors so of the headquarters on North Main in downtown Rochester. We were on the phone earlier with a woman named Letty Tisnick who works right next door in, and you can see some of the images that we'll be able to move through. These are live aerials of North Main Street, but in the building right next to the Hillary campaign headquarters is a, a small shop with blue bunting. You can see it there, actually. In the a middle small of the shop with blue bunting and a surrey with a fringe on top. Medical supply and Letty Tisnick. Letty uh, Tisnick. Into us in the moment I'm going to use that as an, as an alias somewhere. Letty, Letty Tisnick. ran into her medical supply office and said that she had just been in the Clinton office talking to some people when a man with salt and pepper hair that she described at the time in his 40s walked through the door, said he had a bomb, and made everyone get on the floor, but he let the woman and the baby go. That woman ran next door to Kearney Medical Supply, and as Letty Tisnick told us, they immediately called 911, so we do know that police were on scene within moments of this hostage situation. Those hostages were in this man's custody for about two hours. Letty Tisnick lives with Jimmy McNichol. Before they were safely released into police custody, they are no longer on this scene. What is remaining is the man who is inside on North Main Street at the Hillary Clinton headquarters, and you're looking at a live image right this now. This is a WMUR in Manchester. Aimed straight ahead towards the Hillary Clinton campaign headquarters. That's a uh, New Hampshire Highway Patrol vehicle directly in front, blocking traffic. It is shut down uh, on the same side. That's Wake- This is Wakefield Street at one end, Union Street at the other end, a few That's blocks a down. Shutting right. down north. Well, let's take a break here. We'll come back. We've got to stay on time. We have Chris Jericho coming up at 1 o'clock. More from Tim Riley. 
Aaron Duran, top five show tunes in Tim Riley's estimation. Uh, we'll do another round with the uh, Zeppelin contest coming up later on. Rachel McGrath uh, from uh, CNN as well, and the folks from the Found Film Festival. You stay there. Here's Weedus on the Rick Emerson Show. Rick Emerson radio program. I swear to God, I'm, I'm watching. Um, I'm watching CNN right now, and they're just doing a little bit of this coverage. Are you talking about who that guy looks like? The guy on the screen? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not going to say you're my somebody. No, I was just. I'm watching the uh, the closed captioning on this uh, the scene of somebody. This this guy, uh, the Hillary Clinton ham, uh, campaign headquarters in Rochester, New Hampshire, has a bomb strapped to his chest, um, and they're interviewing. They're doing this interview on CNN right now. They're just doing the full-on diehard thing. On CNN right now, they are interviewing, yes, a guy who is an expert in hostage-taking. And they are just asking him, hey, what are the hostages going through right now? And he's doing that whole, you know, well, right now they're undergoing the Helsinki, the, the Helsinki syndrome or whatever. The book of... The author of the book, Hostage Terrorist, Terrorist Hostage, A Study in Duality. They're doing, ex like, that interview that they do with that idiot guy in, on the television station in, uh, in Die Hard is exactly what they're doing for real life on CNN right now. So apparently nothing is happening. The word is that he has, um, that he's released uh, all the hostages uh, and that now he's just sort of in there hanging out uh, doing nothing. And he's a local and he has some uh, mental problems. And he told his son to watch TV tonight. Well, because probably because Barbara Walters is going to be interviewing Imus. Daddy has a big surprise. All right. So, are you disappointed that he's a local, Tim? Does it sadden you? Kind of. I'm sad. Did you? Were you hoping? You were secretly well, hoping. I, I knew it was going to be a white person. Well, of course, it's always a white person. You were thinking he was from Texas. You were just crossing your fingers and praying he was a southerner. Right. He, he may have been a native of another <laughs> area. He just happened to move there to cause this problem. <laughs> He was just going there to despoil your image. Mm -hmm. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So we'll cover this as it unfolds. Uh, looks like it's just sort of standing off at the moment. Uh, here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Well, let's get back to the local things and things that matter to us here. Okay. A lady with a mustache has been arrested. Uh, police have been uh, looking for this woman, suspected as posing as a man, after she robbed a bank and a Denny's. Well, on Tuesday, the woman dressed as a man and sporting a fake mustache sat down at a restaurant on North Central Street at 1.30 in the morning and drank coffee for three hours. Before leaving, police say she pulled a handgun and robbed the cashier Wait. before taking off on foot. I swear to God we had this story yesterday. No, we had a story about her doing this, but she hadn't been arrested. Oh, so they hadn't... Oh, this is just a closure to the story. This is closure. All right, this is the short-haired woman. Yeah, okay, all right, excellent. Uh, so, under arrest is 38-year-old Denise Watson. Uh, she's also a suspect in a Clark County bank robbery of Wells Fargo. So, Ken looks like uh, Curly on the Three Stooges. Totally. I got a gun. <laughs> I'm a lady with a mustache. Fill up the bag. Sorry. I'm sorry. From Newport, Washington comes word a man accused of uh, tying a rope around the neck of a college student who was strangled after being dragged 13 miles behind a pickup truck has been charged with his murder. Okay, now, this is the idiot story we had the other day where the guy on his MySpace was all... Somebody was chasing his truck for 13 miles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being chased by a hank of hair. Um, and the, the victim, if you can call him that, 
uh, on his website, he spelled Ive with no apostrophe. It's sort of like, Ive always lived by the motto, you know, live for today or something. Um, i I got to find this now because somebody had sent me a hilarious follow-up to this story. This fellow's name is Wendell C. Sin, Jr. Wendell C. Sin, Jr. Mm-hmm. Reverend. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, do, do, do me a favor. Just briefly read the info you've got on the story there because I am trying to find... Uh, I am trying to find this uh, uh, the, 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 the background to this. Somebody sent me a fantastic little bit of story about this. So a message left Thursday night by Sin's lawyer, John P. Neglect, was not immediately returned. Nicolette said his client acted in self-defense and was protecting others at a northeast Washington hunting camp where witnesses say uh, this fellow became violent and out of control. Court documents allege that Sin of Newman Lake placed a noose around this fellow's neck when he was distracted and attached a rope to the truck's trailer hitch, Sin yelled at uh, his 17-year-old son, Justin D. Sin, to drive away. The sheriff's deputy uh, says in an affidavit that the younger Sin apparently was not aware he was dragging this 20-year-old Washington University student, and he sped away. All right, so this is so now... Uh, were you, what were you holding up your hand? We have to break I'm saying, No, 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 I'm saying there, uh, they said there's going to be a press conference in five minutes. Oh, so there'll be a press conference fun. about this uh, crazy hostage-taking guy in five minutes. Okay, so apparently I've got this from the Seattle Times about the same story. This is from Nick. It says, Rick, I looked into this crazy story, and it sounds like a wrestling story gone bad. Apparently, the wacky dueling duos were all father-son teams in extreme fights to the death. The 17-year-old that drove the truck in this knockdown, quote, drag-out confrontation was the son of the accused murderer that put the noose of fury smack down while the father of the victim watched from the corner while while gesticulating. How effed up is this? So it was like some weird, crazy hillbilly wrestling thing gone mad that that ended with a guy being dragged behind a pickup truck uh, for 17 miles. Just being ground down like a pencil eraser, undoubtedly. So, anyway, so there you go. So, the moral is stay away from Spokane. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt has been robbed by three ninjas at his uh, Port Orange driveway really? in Florida. Uh, three ninjas held the man down, covered his mouth, <laughs> and took his wallet, now, cell phone, and cash. Now, of course, this is even funnier if you are my age and you grew up watching the film Three Ninjas, mm-hmm. which is about three little Corey Feldman type bastards who, of course, you know, fight crime. It followed up by the sequel, Three Ninjas Kick Back. I wish I knew lines from Three Ninjas the movie, because I could quote them throughout the story, and it'd be even more relatable. The ninjas were wearing gloves and had guns. Well, that's what they do. What? They had guns? Yeah. Not real ninjas. One of these. No, the real ninjas don't... No, hold on. I'm getting my coffee. They were completely covered except for their eyes, and they spoke in very low tones. If you have a gun... Two ninjas have been arrested. The third ninja is still at large. If if you have a gun, you're not a real ninja. That's just the way that it goes. Well, these are Florida ninjas. All right. Please now to be anybody in the room to give me one of the two acceptable weapons for a ninja. Go. Nunchucks. Very good. See? Exactly. Uh, An afro. No. Um, Anybody know the other one? A saber. Well, I, okay, sword. Ooh. Yes, a sword is some sort of a saber. We could, uh, the, yes, the judges uh, will allow that. Yes, exactly, a throwing star. Throwing star, which is the other traditional ninja weapon. So there you go. Uh, there, that's for all the Shokosugi fans in the house out there. Uh, also, the judges would also have accepted those little bombs you throw that could have a pop of smoke so you can vanish like Storm Shadow style. All right, excellent. Uh, but one of the released hostages, by the way, says the guy did have a real bomb. How does she know, though? Is she a bomb expert? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. I think that's just a bunch of chicaneries, what that is. 
So, or as Inspector Caluso would say, a bim. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Two men charged with running a body parts and profit scheme have a hearing today in Los Angeles. Henry Reed is the director of the UCLA Will Body Program, and Ernest Nelson, an associate of his, they've denied the charges. Prosecutors say Reed sold human body parts for thousands of dollars. Nelson is also uh, alleged to have more than a million dollars in sales of body parts to more than 20 private pharmaceuticals and medical research companies. I wonder, so here's a closer. I was just going to say, he gets all the coffee. Well done. I wonder if he'd be, wouldn't it be curious, uh, I wonder if he'd be interested in selling radio, mm-hmm. selling the exciting world of airtime. He'll win one of those DVD players they had up on the conference room table the other day for the one-day sale. Oh, those big boom boxes? Yeah. No, we walked into the... Uh, uh, I thought they were free presents. I was like, ooh, I'll take the season of CSI. They were doing the one-day sale here at CBS. That's the, only for a million dollars in sales. Only for only for an annual, Sarah. It, on Wednesday, they did this one-day sale, which means that all the sales folks here, they don't. They just sit at their desks all day and they just call people. Uh, and, you know, they call people and they say, hello, we have uh, these parcels available. If we, we have Florida Swampland. I'm selling like here. Um, I'm selling. I am. Would you please to be buying me? Uh, he's buying some advertising. And, uh, but in the conference room, the conference room table, uh, when we all went up there to grab some lunch, the conference room table had a bunch of, like, electronics devices on There was, like, an HD radio, and there was, like, a CD player, and there was, I don't know, like, a DVD thing and whatever. And, and there was a CSI box set. And Sarah's like, hey, CSI box set, is this for anyone? <laughs> um, which you couldn't, which you can be forgiven for asking because it was just sitting on the table for yeah, no reason. Yeah, they're all just laying there. I'm totally. Like, okay, cause haunt us. Yeah, because we get, you know, some things in radio for free oh. and I'm like, ooh. The taunt us. Take that off your hands. No, that's totally for like, the, yeah, that's the, that's for the first guy that like it's an auto body dealership to close us, you know, to sign a six month deal or something. So somebody must have won it. I think so. It was all, the, the only thing, I shouldn't say Have this. Have the prize winners been listed? I shouldn't say this. The only thing that was unclaimed was the HD radio. I think I think that was the only thing left when I went up there later. Well, oh. nobody has one anyway. Not that it matters. <laughs> you know, well, we don't have an HD. You know who has one? So what do we care? You know who has one? Scotty J. Of, of course. Of course he does. Because why not just pile on as much consumer debt as is humanly possible? Oh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson show. Hold me. Like you did by the lake on the boo. Uh, our good friend uh, Aaron Geek in the City Duran. Hello, sir. Hey, man, look, I know I'll be in there a little bit, but uh, your kung fu is weak sauce. Okay, but please, please to be... Go ahead. Well, ninjas don't use nunchucks. Well, that was Sarah who said that. You yeah, but you said, that's right. co- you said that's correct. I thought it was correct. Doesn't oh, so- no, Aaron. Bruce Lee uses nunchucks, and he was not a ninja. Okay. He was a master of Jeet Kune Do, but he was not a ninja. I he thought... He was a kung fu master. Now, maybe I am wrong about this, but I thought uh, that my Storm Shadow figure, when I was a G.I. Joe collector, came with nunchucks. I might be wrong about that, though. Well, he had a bunch of different versions of it, but no. The right. traditional ninja weapon would be the stars and the katana. Oh, the katana, which is, that's the sword. Yeah, well, there's just kind of like a little short, stumpy one. All right. What about those things? Some of those, am I making this up, or are there like ninjas that have like razor-sharp fans they use? Uh, only the sexy chick ninjas do. Okay, well, that still counts. All right, excellent. Oh, that works, yeah. Thank you for the clarification. Uh, you'll be in today, too? I still think I was right. I, I will. All right, what are you reviewing today? Uh, well, I can talk about the myth if we're going to bring the room down some more. Let's yeah. do that. Let's talk about the myth or endlessly. I can, or I can talk about the Golden Compass and we can mock a terrible film. Okay, well, let's do both. Okay. All right, we'll see you too. Okay. There you go. Oh, I forgot to mention he'll be drinking the Cobra whiskey. Well, we'll spring We need to get that back down here so we can start getting the Cobra whiskey. Oh. Somebody probably won it in the sales contest. Oh, oh no. God, I forgot what they looked It's right here. Hold on. Let me just set it on the table. Oh. I'm glad you mentioned that, Sarah. I'll put this one right here. There you go. Why are they both looking at me? I'm pointing them at you. Yeah, we should totally we should totally put those up there for a sales prize. Mm-hmm. 
for the person that'll for the, get people to sell. For the first person who sells our podcast pre-roll, uh, here you go. Here's some Cobra whiskey. Um, can I just tell you though that there was um um we had, there was a guy from Westwood One who was passing through town yesterday and just sort of is that still in business? Yes. Oh. Yes. Yes. And yes, Tim. Okay. Yes, they are and flourishing. Fair um, passing through town, just talking to the, talking to all the stations and the you know because we care you know that's uh, you know Donna Mike and uh, Dennis Miller and whatever. Oh, that's what that is. And so we were um, so he came to my office and I and we have to break here in a short while because we got Chris Jericho coming up at one, but. I, we have these bottles of Vietnamese Cobra and Scorpion whiskey, and that's not just like calling it Cobra whiskey and Scorpion whiskey. That's not just like a, like a turn of phrase, like when something is called Old Crow. Old Crow doesn't really have a crow inside of it. Old Granddad doesn't really have your grandfather in it. This Scorpion whiskey has a scorpion in it. Uh, you can see this at myspace.com slash AM970. You can see a full video of this. Um but we've been talking about this for a week now because uh, Richie brought it in on Thanksgiving, uh, as is proper. And I, I've grown so used to it, I forgot it was sitting on my desk. So the guy from, you know, the, the guy from, from, from Westwood One sits down in my office and we're chatting about radio and just talking about, you know, the shop talk and the industry and so forth. And I noticed that his eyes keep darting off to his right. And I thought it was some sort of a tick. You know, like like maybe one of those weird odd eyes, like you see sometimes where you don't know where to look. You know, because I thought it was like a like a thing. And finally, he just goes, I, "What is that?" And I said, "What?" And I turned around and it was like, "I realized there's a huge bottle full of scorpions and cobras sitting on my desk. Ah. Actually, two of them." And I said, "Oh, this. Uh, would you like some? It's whiskey." And uh, you know, so we had the whole discussion about that. Come on, Vietnamese Thanksgiving party. Please, yeah. I just, I, and I did, and you realize that there really is no way to describe it without just sounding crazy. Uh, by saying yes, it's uh, it's some unlabeled alcohol from a street vendor in Vietnam filled with venomous animals. A guy's going to be drinking it on Friday. Like no, at, actually, specifically signing a form. I'm sorry. No, no, no. He, that's it. right. I'm sorry. I forgot about that. He will not be drinking that uh, because we cannot be held responsible. Blah blah blah. Let's take these calls. Then we'll break. We'll come back with Chris Jericho and then more news. Uh, then uh, we'll do the top five show tunes. Uh, we have Aaron Duran. We have It's the Worst Song Ever. We have another Zeppelin contest. It's all very exciting. Um, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, how can I help you? The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had subjects. Is that true? Yes. Wait, so now let me understand this. Now, just so we can be absolutely clear about this, are you or are you not saying that Aaron Duran is incorrect with his uh, ninja knowledge? I'm saying that um, Ninja Turtles, while they are ninjas, they are not really ninjas. They're imaginary ninjas. Who's to say? Who's to, come on now? But what? they do have those little, uh, those two little swords that have, that kind of look like pitchforks oh, yeah. with the a belt? really long tongue in the yeah. middle. They, well, they look like tridents. There it is. Yes, yeah. with the small, small handle, and yeah. then the bow staff. Yeah. All right. And then another sword, a uh, sword, some sort of katana. But all right, well, they are ninjas. Well, and now see, now can I ask a dumb question? And I'm asking, right. this is exactly the wrong time in the show to ask this because we have to break in a minute because we're going to talk to Chris Jericho at the top of the hour. But okay, this answer is going to lose. I'm going to lose like hundreds of geek points by asking this. Are ninjas real? I I think so. And by but which it... I mean like the 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 the, uh, the 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 classic Hollywood ninja that we all know, where the guy is totally wrapped up like a mummy except for his eyes, and he moves stealthily and he has throwing stars. Like, is that a real thing, or, or is it some weird mutation of a thing that once existed but was really nothing like that? Is well, I would assume that uh, well, the the samurai are 
Yeah, but a samurai is not a ninja. Yeah, but samurais, but the samurais are the opposite of a ninja because samurais are sort of big and gaudy and clunky, and they they make no attempt to hide anything. And well, I think I, you know what? They're you don't they're probably, know. They're probably under the. Uh, yeah, I really don't know. Oh, see, now I we have to find out. Are. Now we have to find out. Yes, Virginia, there are ninjas. <laughs> All right, thank you, sir. No. All right, no goodbye. Uh-oh. Now they're saying possibly more hostages are being held at the Clinton campaign oh, office. Oh, damn it. So you were right. So the hostages are right. sort of the tribbles of this news story. Mm. Um, really, is this true? Everything, this is the craziest day. I'm looking yeah, at this. Yeah, please say two hostages are released from the Clinton campaign office, but possibly. Okay. I'm talking about something else. There's something else crazy that ninjas? just happened. No, not about ninjas. Oh. First of all, we got WWE star Chris Jericho coming up. Um... Okay, I hate to be running late with this, uh, especially because we have to call Chris Jericho after this break. But um, it's called Sex Panther by Odeon. Richie Bristol joining us in the studio. Okay, hi Richie, how are you doing? Good. All right, so I'm looking at the screen. So is this real? Yeah, right here. Um, okay. Uh, so, please now to explain, Richie, who uh, who is on line two here. Uh, John. Now, who is John? From Sacramento. Now, who is John from Sacramento? Uh, some uh, Sarah put an email address is on. Is John there. from Sacramento the guy that was sending Sarah uh, the snarky email? I think so. Uh, Maybe I'll talk to him off the air. The guy that we just the guy that we decided was a douche. Um, uh, is that is that who we're talking about? Is that I this guy? So. Yeah, he said he hasn't got any hate mail. Or something. Also, I don't care. Well, Would you like some? <laughs> I was going to say, we can fix that. Would he care to receive some? You know, the last thing I want to give somebody who sends me rude emails is, is airtime. All right. So are we, so we're going to opt not to, to speak to him? Do you want to do... Well, we can just... I can hang up on him. I have no problem doing that. It's up to you. Sarah Dillon, you I, make I the rather, call. You know, somebody who you know already has said mean things to me via email, I don't really want to give the form to do it on the Does air. Does he want to talk to Sarah? I think so. No, I think he wants to come on the air and just be like, hey, you put my email address up and nobody wrote me. But I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, though, does, well, he, want to, does he want to speak in general or does he, does he specifically wish to speak to her? He just said the only thing he was upset about was the fact he didn't receive any hate mail. That's because we have a loving audience. It's true, because we're a peaceful people. It really is. Uh, you know, we are like ninjas in that way, that really we only respond defensively. That really is. And I actually got CC'd on a couple of emails that he got. Really? And mm-hmm. if he wants hate, he'll just have to Also, you believe he's being disingenuous because you've been CC'd, so he actually has received hate mm-hmm. mail. Well, I think BC'd, actually. So he's, uh, also he's peddling, so he's calling up and peddling fiction to begin with. I hate peddler. <laughs> he's a what, Tim? I hate peddler. <laughs> Your hate peddling is not welcome here, sir. Uh, you take that, especially to, here during the holidays. Take season. that to Rochester. Here in Portland, we don't cotton to that. Uh, okay, well, what do you want me to do? Uh, do you want me to? Uh, do you want me to have Richie send him away? No, just leave him on hold, and I'll talk to him at the break. All right. Well, I'll talk to him at three. John. Huh? Yeah. Well. Well, our people will get back to you. All right, John. Well, hang on, and if you really feel like if you're you really date- want to talk to this AM radio weirdo loser bitch, Ooh. I'll talk to you during the break, Buttercup. And who doesn't? All right. Uh, all right, well, let's take a break here, and then we get back. We'll talk to Chris Jericho, WWE legend and superstar. If you have a question for Chris Jericho, by the way, uh, the number is 503-73, and the phones are full, of course. It's 503, well, theoretically speaking, although you won't be able to get through right now. We'll try to get some of these lines freed up. It's 503-733-2970. You say there, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Here's Jimmy Eat World.
Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503 I think I swallowed my coffee sideways there. Hold on. Keep Chris Jericho waiting as long as possible while I try to swallow my coffee correctly. It's 503 Coming up later on, CNN radio correspondent Rachel McGrath, uh, Tim Riley, the top five Aaron Geek in the city, Duran. Uh, and the most metal thing you have ever heard in your life. That's all coming up. Uh, we want to welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, tons of you know uh, our next guest. Chris Jericho is, of course, um, uh, part of the World Wrestling Entertainment. I don't even know what to call it now. It's a monolith. It's an oligarchy. It's a mono- It's like the biggest thing in the history of all wrestling everywhere ever. Um, credited as being the first ever undisputed champion and a record-setting seven-time WWE Intercontinental Champion. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Chris Jericho. Hello, sir. I have done thousands of radio interviews in my life, and that was the first time the word oligarchy has ever been used in one of them. Congratulations, sir. Thank you. Well, do I get some sort of honorary title or maybe like just maybe not a belt, but maybe just like a badge of some kind I could wear? You get the, the Hero Cookie Award for, for teaching Chris Jericho a new word today. Fantastic. Well, it's, I, I do try to make an impression, my friend. Absolutely. Um, so let me ask you this. First off, questions you're sick of being asked. Oh, do uh, you want me to answer that? Yeah. Just, uh, what, what are you tired of being at? What are you tired? Because I know that you you are at because you've got a book, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. And obviously, uh, you know, you, you know, you're huge, and you do uh, on VH1, and you got the radio show, and so I know that you talk to jackhole DJs all the time. It's just a bunch of nitwits asking you the same crap. You're tired of being asked. And it's not like I'm that much better than other people, but what's a, what's the question that comes to mind that you're tired of being asked? Up until a couple of weeks ago, it was, when are you going to ever come back to wrestling? Everyone wanted to know that. So now that answer has been, has been given. Uh, I think the biggest one is now since, since the summer and all the, you know, the stuff has gone down with, with steroids and all that sort of thing. I always like it when, when you talk to DJs or, or television interviews or anybody like that, where their first question, like as if they've never, as if I've never heard the question before, it would be like, so tell us, Chris Jericho, what do you think about these steroids? <laughs> and they'd be like, wow, I've never been asked that before. I just don't know what to say. And I think people have put a lot of stock into it, and it just kind of makes me laugh for how, you know, it's a serious situation, but it's it's almost like every person asking it is if it's like the most unique, original exciting to answer question ever and you get it asked every single time and no one really cares they'll ask you this question about 45 seconds before the, the end of the show right and it's like you know do you, do you really have time for me to answer that like i can but you know i think that, considering what is you know all the stuff that's happened over the summer that's the question that everybody is asking about but no one's really asking you a question they'll just make a statement like oh steroids true or false or something like that you know <laughs> 
Well, it's asking a wrestler about steroids at this point because it's A, so overdone, B, is so, I'm not going to say it's, it's ridiculous, but it's just, it's one of those things that you either care about so much that there's no way you can do it in 30 seconds, or you don't care about it at all. So it is sort of akin to going, so, uh... Gene Simmons, cow tongue, real or not? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So well, it, it's one of those things. A very, it's a very uh, mediocre, obligatory question, especially asking me about it because steroids was never really a part of my of my career. I found it at a very young age when I was about 20 years old back in 1990 that I would never be the biggest guy in the show, and that whether I did steroids or not, I was never going to grow to six foot eight. It just doesn't work that way. And I had to work on you know on other things. How was I going to break out of this mold and think outside of the box to make it? And I always worked on having you know the biggest personality and the biggest charisma and being the biggest uh, you know being the biggest showman that I could be. And that's how I kind of you know bucked the system and made it through without being the biggest guy in the world. We're uh, talking to WWE uh, performer and of course just and again you do a million things. You got the book out, Chris Jericho, a lion's tale around the world in spandex. And I have to say this. In general, but specifically on the cover of this book, um, it, it, you look, it freaks me out because you look for all the world like a guy that I used to live with, a roommate that I used to have when I lived in Utah. And so I've had these press notes uh, from Grand Central Publishing sitting here, and every time I look down at the page, I see your face on the cover of this book, and I keep expecting your mouth to open it for you to go, you're late with the rent, except then it would be, be followed by, like, you jumping off a turnbuckle and, like, clotheslining me. Right. It's really interesting because you sound exactly like a guy that I used to live with, also in Utah. So I don't know what's going on here, but I mean, are, you, are you really Stinky Joe? Um, sadly, my, no. My ex roommate, is that you? Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, as the case may be, no. Um, no. Okay. Speaking of, of your production value, we've already got we've got some uh, listeners who have been emailing questions in, and uh, if you'd like to talk to Chris Jericho, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. This is actually one of the first questions we got. It's a guy named um, Trevor. Uh, says he says, hey uh, Chris, I have to say you have the best pyro ever. Uh, is it the luck of the draw with the entrance pyrotechnics, or is it just some eight-fingered carny guy uh, show you the options and you get to choose? I love that. Of all the things I've done, you have the best pyro. That'd be like saying, you know, you have the best frequency. Out of all the radio stations, your frequency is the coolest. Exactly. 102 point, you know. Uh, yeah, we never, I never really had a choice of the pyro. It was just kind of bestowed upon me. So it's like being born. You can't choose your parents. You just hope for good ones. Same thing with pyro. Um, in terms of, like, you were talking about how you returned, uh, the, you know, everybody been asking, when are you going to go back to the WWE? And you, you go back. How much um, uh, creative control or how much of the circumstances of your return are up to you? And in terms of the storyline or the mystique around it, how much of that is you? How much of that is, you know, maybe Vince or the two of you or a team of guys sitting around a table? Where does, how much control do you have on that? The storyline itself, uh, not so much. The actual return and all the vignettes that led up to it and the build-up, that was that was uh, a lot of, of me, actually quite about 85% was my ideas and my thoughts. And then it kind of gets run through the WWE ringer, and then they always turn out a, l a little bit better and make it a little bit extra. But I always find that, especially when you are uh, talking about you know, certain thoughts and, and, and ideas and you know character developments and things on those lines, it's always best for the guy himself to think of that stuff because nobody knows my character better than I do. And they, they, they like having extra ideas, you know, because there's only so many ideas to go around. And the more ideas I have, 
not just for me, but for other guys too, that the easier it makes their job. So I think especially when it came time for me to come back, I really wanted to think of something that was intriguing and interesting and would catch people's eye. And that's why I came up with the whole concept of the, you know, the, the viral videos as they're being called the save us, um, you know, kind of matrix esque type of, uh, vignettes that were being shown. And that, I mean, that's just part of what I do. I always have a lot of input and a lot of ideas for, for what I want to do because I think it just makes it better for everybody. We're talking to Chris Jericho and I know that you've mentioned, uh, you wrestled in Mexico and in, uh, Japan. And is that, uh, I don't know because I haven't read the book. Do you, do you cover this in the book? Is the book like a, a story of, of everything from the ground up? I mean, is it basically your whole career story? Uh, in, in some ways, it, what it is is basically covers my journey to, to achieve this dream that I set for myself at a young age. When I was eight years old, I decided I wanted to be a wrestler in the WWE. And when I finally started wrestling, it took me nine years to get there. So there was a lot of trials and tribulations and, and highs and lows. And I traveled around the world wrestling, and like you said, in Japan and Germany and Mexico and in small towns all across the world. Uh, just, you know, using these experiences, not only in the ring, but outside the ring, just life experiences. And I think it's more of a follow your dreams coming of age story than it is just a, a pure wrestling story. And then, you know, the book ends when I actually made it to the WWE. So there, there's, there's a lot of room to write another one if I choose to do that. Because this one was about the story of how I made it to the WWE, and then once I get there, end of story. So, uh, you know, we get a, you know, like here in the Northwest, there's a lot of the smaller wrestling leagues, and I'll, I'll never forget this actually. Growing up and coming to visit my grandmother in Portland, I was about six or seven, and so there would be, I don't wish, I don't wish to traffic in stereotypes about the audience of anybody, but I do have to say, one of my strongest memories, and I was a big W, then the WWF fan later, but I remember being about seven years old, and my grandmother would be sitting, in her chair with a TV tray in front of her and just a huge Bloody Mary screaming at the television as she watched kind of, it was like a small sort of a farm league uh, here in Portland. So if there's some guy, uh, you know, and whatever, he's 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, whatever, and, and he wants to be, you know, get in professional wrestling, you can't really just pick up the phone book and do that. Where do, where do you start? I mean, how does what's the first step for that? It's funny they say that because I had the exact same memory when I was eight years old. I used to watch wrestling with my grandmother, and we used to watch Bugs Bunny at five, Hockey Night in Canada at seven, and at six o'clock was AWA wrestling emanating out of Minneapolis. My grandma was the same way with the TV tray, except she didn't have a Bloody Mary. She just had an ashtray filled with uh, Export A Canadian cigarettes. <laughs> so, I mean, we, I think it was just that generation that all of our grandmas were into it, and she just kind of dragged me along for the ride, and, and it's basically all her fault. But when I was when I was starting out, um, there was there was a wrestling school in Calgary. I lived in Winnipeg, Canada, and it was the Hart Brothers Pro Wrestling Camp, yeah. which was Stu Hart, Bret Hart, Owen, and all those guys. Nowadays, it, it's still the same thing. You have to find a good school to go to, and people go, "There's wrestling schools, haha." <laughs> but you mean it, it makes sense? You have to figure out a place to go to where you're gonna, you know, learn how to take the falls and how to do the things that you do because i mean it's a sh it's show business but it's still a contact sport and you you have to do everything you can to be as safe as possible and to know what you're doing so you don't kill yourself or or somebody else so that that's the best advice is you have to find a wrestling school a reputable one if the guy that, that's that's running the wrestling school is someone you've never heard of chances are that his training is going to be crap you know, I and mean, there's there are some guys that have good wrestling schools, but you have to learn the foundations and you have to learn your basics, just like any other job. Uh, we're talking to Chris Jericho. Is it the author of the new book, A Lion's Tale Around the World in Spandex? Is it? There's so much money at stake now, and it's such a huge thing. And of course, McMahon is the driving force behind all of that. That it went from being, uh, you know, maybe a thing that was sort of on the, you know, on the B circuit to a thing that is. I mean, I think WrestleMania three still holds the the single largest indoor uh, event attendance for any sporting event ever, ninety three thousand, the Silverdome. Is 
Is it harder or easier to get in now because the stakes are so high? I think the, the business is a lot smaller than it used to be. So I think I think it's a lot easier to find out where to go to get in. Like when I first started, I had no idea what to do. Like I just started trying to get matches. I mean, the first one of the first matches I had was at a kid's birthday party, and I got paid a hot dog and a glass of orange juice. So it wasn't all glamour right off the start. I think now that the business has is, is gotten a lot smaller to where you kind of sign with the WWE and work in one of their farm leagues, developmental territories, and then you get into the big leagues pretty quickly. Like I said, for me, it took me nine years of working around the world to get to the WWE, but I was still working in the big leagues of all these other countries, and it gave me so much more experience and, and exposure, and you know, it gave me a different mindset to be able to think outside of the box to do different things. And I think nowadays that's kind of been eliminated, which is kind of a sad thing. It's also another reason why I felt that it was a, a you know really uh, unique story to tell and to write a book about it because I don't think any other guys or you know or girls will get into the business the same way that I did just because the business has changed so much over the last few years. Talking to Chris Jericho, a uh, wrestler and author of the book A Lion's Tale. Uh, so, what is in your assessment the biggest misconception uh, that people have about pro wrestling? What is the uh, what is the, the biggest thing people think about it that is just not right? It's interesting because people either get it or they don't. The people that don't get it, I think, just kind of poo-poo it. And I think those people don't realize just how much of an entertainment en entity pro wrestling is and also how you know how talented some of the guys in the sport are. I always call uh, wrestling show business boot camp. You learn a little bit about everything, action, adventure, drama, behind the scenes, live performances, tape performances. You know, it's like a, an athletic morality play. If Shakespeare was alive today, he'd be writing wrestling shows, you know, uh, therefore thou body slammest thou. But it, it, it's also another thing, too, that I think uh, a lot of people think that wrestlers are, are kind of maybe not smart or, I, or, you know, I get people all the time that say, you wrote a book? Wow. I mean, I didn't think you could write a book. And I say, yeah, it's a New York Times bestseller, Junior. What do you think about that? You know, and it's just one of the things I think people kind of downplay how talented people in this business are, which is weird because if you look, you know, the rap guys, rap artists, you know, they're actors, they're, they're singers, they're businessmen, they're entrepreneurs, they're doing everything. When wrestlers do the same thing, it's kind of like, what? You can't do that. You're just a Neanderthal Cro-Magnon wrestler. You know, so I think that's kind of one of the things people think of are just going to be stomping around going, fire, bad. It's funny. I have a, my friend uh, Christopher Morris, uh, who is he fronts a metal band, uh, sort of this progressive goth metal band called Nicodemus, and he wrote a really, really great, beautiful essay one time. Uh, a, I think it was called "The Greatest Show on Earth," and it was. And he is a very, you know, he's very into theatrical rock and very much into a visual presentation and the whole package. And he wrote this brilliant essay about how, as much as he grew up a fan of Kiss and as much as he grew up a fan of a lot of the big over-the-top rock stars, that all of his big lessons in both business, presentation, theater, all of that, how the bulk of what he uses in the music industry, both on stage and off stage, how it came from professional wrestling, which really is like putting on a Kiss concert every single night uh, with a constantly shifting set list uh, and lineup. And I think a lot of people don't uh, really appreciate that. On that same sort of tip, I have to ask you, Another, uh, we have another listener email that says, wants to know, uh, does, uh, please ask Chris Jericho, does any of his um, ring persona draw from David Lee Roth? I sense a lot of David Lee Roth when he's on the mic. <laughs> it's funny because I always wanted to be uh, the David Lee Roth of wrestling. And what I, meant, what I mean by that is like the ultimate showman, the ultimate frontman. Uh, knowing that wrestling for me is entertainment first and foremost, that's a great call because, I mean, Dave, the reason why Dave is, is so, uh, he's so, 
you know, critically lauded and so unique yet also so maligned is because he's over the top. And he's very goofy and cheesy at part, at part at points, but because he, he commits to what he's saying and he believes in it, he doesn't care what anybody else thinks, and people start getting into that. When you are so unique that you become the norm, you know you're gone to something. And I always try to do that, too. You, you, you want to be different and do something that no one else has ever done before. And I always try to take that attitude into the wrestling ring and say things like, you know, the Ayatollah of rock and roll is one of the nicknames I gave myself. Right. Absolutely preposterous. Probably one of the dumbest things I've ever said. But because I said it with conviction and I said it and I really believed it, People started getting into it. Now it's one of my most famous, you know, nicknames I've ever given myself, and that's that's the David Lee Roth principle. No matter how ridiculous it sounds, you believe it, you sell it, and people buy it. And I went and saw Dave a couple weeks ago with the Van Halen reunion, and he was the same as always, and absolutely amazing. And I was freaking out because he's the coolest guy in rock, and, and I always wanted to take that 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 mindset and that attitude and bring it into the wrestling world. Uh, as we get ready to kind of wind things up here, we're talking to Chris Jericho, author of A Lion's Tale Around the World of Spandex, and of course, world-famous wrestler. i got to ask you this because you are such a big uh, music guy, and the VH1, the radio show, the band, everything, music is obviously such a big part of what you do. Uh, what was the first uh, record that just blew your mind, where you heard the song or the album, and you're like, this is the, where it just cleaned out your brain? Well, I was, I was, a, I became a Beatles fan when I was about eight years old because my dad was, and I like got obsessed by them. To whereas I knew everything about the Beatles and had every one of their records by the time I was ten. And even then, I got the White Album. Is being, can you, are you still there? Yeah, I'm sorry. This, we, I was, I had my mic off. I was coughing there for a second. Okay, being as you know as whacked out and as drug influenced they were, I still dug the White Album and enjoyed just how, how eclectic it was, even at 10 years old. But I also noticed that back in 1980, that, that the Beatles, believe it or not, weren't really cool. That was the time when they were right. still like, the Beatles? You like the Beatles? And nobody would really talk to me because of my musical choices. And I started noticing that all the girls were wearing like Judas Priest shirts and Iron Maiden shirts. So the first the first metal record I bought was Blizzard of Oz. Yeah. And then I, I just got blown away by the guitar work on it. And uh, that kind of really corrupted me to where the Beatles were great. But, you know, Ozzy was the new sheriff in town from that point forward. Fantastic. All right. The book is A Lion's Tale Around the World in Spandex by Chris Jericho. Uh, congratulations. I mean, I you're doing, like I said, the radio and the band and the wrestling and everything. So best of continued success. And uh, thanks for a great interview, man. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime. And uh, uh, Portland's a great city. Uh, you know what the best thing about Portland is? And it's going to sound kind of wacky. But when you go there from other places, the first thing you notice is how clean the air smells. I love the smell of the air there, believe it or not. Oh, no, there's five billion uh, trees here. So the air you're breathing was, was only... The, the, air, the air you breathe here was made about five seconds ago. So, <laughs> That's true. All right, Chris Jericho. And is it, uh, is it ChrisJericho.com? Is that the website? That's right, yeah, ChrisJericho.com for all your Jericho needs. All right, thank you, my friend. Great interview. Thank you so much for joining us today. All right, there you go. Wrestling legend Chris Jericho. How cool was that guy? Uh, he was very well spoken. All right. Yeah, so we we just from the fantastic to the sad, ladies and gentlemen, we now do an ad hoc snuff watch. And then uh, you, uh, you heard as we were talking there, there was that moment when he heard the little click in the microphone. And he asked if, if I was still there. He sounded like he thought he'd been disconnected. I was clearing my throat, and then Sarah had told me this news just as we were wrapping up the Chris Jericho interview there. So, Tim Riley? So, we just found out that Evil Knievel has died. Now, that according to his uh, uh, website. 
Uh, Evil Knievel has died. So there you go. Um, he just settled that lawsuit with Kanye, with Kanye West, West. Like a day ago. Evil Knievel, who, um, especially to people who uh, grew up in the 70s, uh, a huge icon. I mean, probably the greatest, would you agree, greatest stunt performer ever? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no, I, I, I question whether to ask Chris Jericho about that just now, but I, I didn't want to, like, bring the interview down. Uh, and he was telling the great, beautiful story about being a Beatles fan and discovering music, and I didn't want to, didn't want to be a big buzzkill. Um, uh, but you know, I thought I toyed with asking him about it because obviously everybody who has come after Evil Knievel owes such a huge debt to him in terms of what your body can really take. I mean, what you want? I mean, of course, the, the legendary, you know, Evil Knievel thing is jumping the Snake River Canyon, um, and just. Um, Jesus, uh, one of my, the, the, I think maybe the first toy I remember getting for Christmas and really being excited about was, and a million people my age had this, was the Evil Knievel motorcycle that you, you put into a little holder, you put into a, like a little, um, I don't know, it was like a little slot you mounted it into, and then you cranked up like a C-crane radio, you cranked up the side like a pencil eraser, or not pencil, like a pencil sharpener, it had a, like a crank like a pencil sharpener on the side, you cranked it up, and you pressed a button, and the Evil Knievel motorcycle, like, shot out. And that's one of the very first toys I remember getting. And that guy was just so huge. Um, and I know Robbie Knievel, his kid, has been doing some stuff in recent years. But, I mean, they, he really is one of a kind. There is only one uh, There is only one Evil Knievel. Um, and so he, how old was he? He was born in 1938. 69. 30 to 69 years old. Boy, he looked like 100 years old. And I don't know how many, I mean, it's, a, it's a, I think, an urban myth to say that he broke every bone in his body. Um, but I know he's broken. I mean, it, it, we'll find out. I'm sure this will all be in like an hour and a half. We'll know everything there is to know about Evil Knievel. But I mean, goddamn. I, just, I, I mean, the guy who spent half his life in traction and a guy who, and I will say this, you know, without Evil Knievel, uh, there's no Johnny Knoxville. There's no Jackass. Uh, there's no any of those. I mean, there's no one, um, no one who does any sort of stunting now would be anything without Evil Knievel. He was the, he's the Elvis of of the and, and I and I, by the way and I don't think it's an I don't think it's an overstatement to say this that without Evil Knievel for those who maybe are are young enough to not really have seen him in his prime without Evil Knievel there would be no extreme sports I mean any extreme athlete you see now and by extreme athlete I mean a guy who is doing something that seems fundamentally crazy or exceptionally dangerous uh, you know, any extreme sport you see now, it owes a debt to Evil Knievel. The guy created it. He created the extreme sports genre. So, uh, God, it's amazing he lived to be 69, though. It really is. I mean, it, it's amazing he wasn't dead 30 years ago. So, oh, and uh, Anderson Cooper just made it to... How do they get Anderson Cooper up there so quickly? Uh, they have a Concorde standing by for him. They have an atomic, they have that thing from Sphere, not Sphere, Contact. And Maybe his mom has a plane uh, on the uh, roof of her apartment. I do believe that is the case. You'll be on the Vanderbilt 105. Uh, all right, so there you go. Evil Knievel, dead at 69. <laughs> There you go. I had the weirdest moment, by the way, at the geek uh, thing over the weekend. We were somebody had their iPod plugged in. It was rotating just random songs, and the full people who died uh, by Jim Carroll came up. It kind of was weird. 
Uh, all right. I so, think they play it on KUFO every once in a while. Do they? It's a great song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more famous since the Basketball Diaries came out. Uh, all right, well, so there you go. Evil can evil dead. Five Amtrak workers critically hurt after two trains collide. Guy with a bomb inside the Hillary Clinton headquarters. It is one of those days. Anderson Cooper has arrived at the scene. Uh, this just in. Anderson <laughs> Cooper is there. Every hair in place and perfect. Uh, and how great was Chris Jericho? Oh, he was terrific. I feel Not bad. Not at that, all what I expected. Yeah, and I feel bad that the interview got blunted a bit there at the end. I was because I had to turn up the mic for a second. We were talking about Evil Knievel, and then I had this thing in my throat, and they would do it back, and whatever. Um, he was really cool, smart, funny. I mean, you know, he does point out that those guys, pro pro wrestling guys, do get hit really hard sometimes with that. The the everybody thinks they're dumb. And people think that pro wrestling is just for, and I'm not going to go on and on about pro wrestling, but people think pro wrestling is just by Hicks for Hicks. But, I mean, it is some of the, um, it, it, pro wrestling is some of the most advanced and produced entertainment in the world today. Uh, and those guys are nobody's idea of dumb. So, uh, anyway, thanks to Chris Jericho. Uh, I was um, a little sketchy about it because we didn't hook up yesterday, and I, I thought he might have been a flake or something. But I think it was just a miscommunication. It was a great interview. So, uh, anyway, there you go. I wonder what's oh, oh all right like what's going to happen like how Hillary Clinton's going to handle this entire situation. Well, I don't know at the risk of sounding improper. I guess we should talk about that. I I don't know after I mean, the whole situations. Any publicity is good publicity, I suppose. I mean, you know, you know, what I'm not looking forward to is Dennis Miller talking about this tomorrow morning. I mean, he won't, be, he won't be. It's Saturday. Oh, thank God. This will all be gone Monday. Yeah, by Monday it'll be a non-story. He'll talk about it the first make, hour. He'll just like, find excuses for half an hour to just make snarky comments about her and laugh at that little <laughs> sidekick of his. No, Monday we're going to be talking about the uh, big windstorm. Yes. That's oh, all and, the, and the impending snow. Yes, that too. How bad is the wind going to be tonight? Oh, bad. No, not tonight. It's going to come in Sunday. The bad wind comes in Sunday around noon. Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. But we're going to have snow tomorrow morning early. Oh, that's great. Wonderful. At the 500-foot level. Oh, but that doesn't affect me. I don't know. What's the elevation? Is a white Christmas going to be another one of those things that only people on the West Hills get that yeah. I am denied? <laughs> no peacocks. I was just going to say peacocks and a white Christmas. West Hills only. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, so just apply in Like right, right around the area where you and I live, it's at 165 feet. Okay, so we're going to get buffkis. We'll get nothing. You, you might get something. A whole lot of nothing. I'm going to excerpt out uh, Chris Jericho saying, "Thou shalt not, whatever. Thou shalt not body slammeth thou or whatever the hell." Uh, well, let's let's see. What am I uh, doing here? Well, let's just take some of these. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, sir. Hey, Rick, it's Benjamin. Good to talk to Hello, you. Hello, uh, also at 165 feet, I do believe. Yes, what's up? Yes, indeed, in, in the mighty southeast here. Uh, yeah. Hey, I want to let you know that ninjas are, in fact, real. And uh, I uh-huh. believe, if I'm, if I'm not incorrect here, that my retired uh, uh, martial arts instructor actually knew a guy who was, like, one of the last remaining ninjas. He was 80 years old or something, and... This guy would need a walker to get around and, uh, you know, help getting in and out of chairs, but he could still demonstrate some of the most amazing skills. He could, like, leap leap up and do backflips and hang from the rafters by one hand. And Now, when you say he's one of the last ninjas, what, do they, like, stop making them at some point? Well, what they used to do was uh, they would kidnap boys uh, from villages, little tiny This tiny totally kids. sounds made up. Oh, this... no, 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 no. This is absolutely true. And they would basically, you know, dislocate every bone in their body to, to, to make their joints... Be, you know, so they could do Are that you sure that, that you're not will. thinking of Batman Begins with Christian Bale? Oh no, no, no! This is this is absolutely true. This is a this is a story I'm getting from someone who knew one. You know, uh, and they yeah, they would just just beat the hell out of these kids basically, and and train them mercilessly, and uh, and actually, you know, samurais hated ninjas because ninjas were all about stealth and Are you around in the samurais dark. Samurais hated ninjas. 
Oh, it, no, seriously, they did because... It you sounds know, like a sitcom. Samurai hates ninja. <laughs> no, but, you know, samurais, they follow the code of Bushido, warrior code. You face your opponent on the field of battle honorably, and ninjas are creeping around in the dark, assassinating God, we're nerds. You're saying ninjas are the guerrilla warfare of the Asian world. Absolutely, All yeah. Right. Thank you, my friend. There you go. God damn, we're lame. All right, hi. Uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Oh, this ties in nicely with the samurai ninja comment. Um, yeah. You did uh, what a you you read that thing I don't know a while ago. It was uh, what a geek believes. Yes, sir. And I was wondering if you could do that again or post it on your website. Or something. Uh, yeah, my I wrote a little thing. This is last year now, about a year and a half ago actually. I wrote that uh, called What a Geek Believes, um, and uh, I just read it as a one-time thing. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying it's like an internet. It I'm no I'm no two girls one cup, um, <laughs> but uh, it, which I think is now gone. Somebody told me that video has actually now been removed. Uh, there's a whole thing about it on the smoking gun. We'll talk about that later on. Um, yeah, I, I made it. By the way, I made it like two seconds into that. Yeah, no, it's no good. I mean, um, it, I was out of there. So anyway, so I wrote that uh, for uh, for the show about a year and a half ago. And uh, I don't know, and then it, it's kind of been posted and reposted around the net, and it's been, you know, a bunch of people put it on their blogs or whatever, which is cool. So, uh, but it is it is at rickemerson.com. Um, boy, let me make sure right now, and I don't mean to be all about me, but since you did ask, let me let me find out. I'm pretty sure I'm going to rickemerson.com right now. By the way, three hostages. I don't know if these are additional hostages or if it's, this is the sum total, but three hostages have been freed by that guy inside the Hillary uh, campaign quarter. Okay, so... Um, if you go to rickemerson.com, yeah. on the right-hand side, there's a section called the AV Geek Squad. And ah. it, it's posted right there. It says what a geek believes, and it's we've got a little audio thing. So, um, and Very good. Also, somebody told me, I haven't seen it, but somebody uh, it told me that I, uh, that I, there's a, uh, I guess somebody's created like a, what is it, like a YouTube, like a slideshow, like a, like a YouTube video to it or whatever. Uh, um, I do believe that Bella gave the fly. Thank you, sir. <laughs> All right. Thank you, my friend. Um. There you go. And I take that back, actually. I saw an embryonic version of the, of the slideshow, but I think it's changed since then. So somebody, uh, I guess somebody, there's a, a new, there's like a What a Geek Believes updated slideshow that's out there. So that's cool. Uh, so there's going to be a press conference on this uh, Hillary campaign headquarters thing coming up in a couple of did minutes. Did you see that picture of those two trains, though? That's freaky. Yeah. That's in Chicago. In Chicago, an Amtrak mm -hmm. hit a freight train, and it's like one is completely underneath the other. Mm-hmm. It is unbelievable. I mean, they're not off the tracks, and one of them isn't... I mean, they are on top of each other perfectly. Like, it hasn't spilled off to the side. Um, it is, it, you know, it, it is like... Um, I don't know. I don't even know how to compare it. But it's like one train as though you picked it up and just set it down perfectly on top of another train. It's really freaky. So, and Evil Knievel's dead, and there's a guy with a bomb strapped to him. It could go off at any moment. Try not to stress out about it. You won't get this on music radio. No, it's true. No, on the music radio, no, the, the, you know who, you know what's there is people with iPod fatigue. Mm -hmm. uh, we All should the break. It's like 1.35. We have to break. We'll come back with uh, Tim Riley's top five show tunes. Top five show tunes from Tim Riley when we return. To bring the mood up a little bit. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. You stay there.
It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. This music bed courtesy of Fatboy from Rock 101 KUFO. This is really cool. Yeah. Have you ever heard his stuff? Nope. He's a DJ. Uh, oh, he is now. The Jeremy Piven. On the wheels of steel. What's so funny about peace? Peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a whole CD of his stuff. It's fantastic. It is really, really good. Uh, where he'll do like uh, mashups and he'll take things that are not that are not sort of uh, hip hop or electronic events and uh, to make them into that. He does this thing with the Requiem for a Dream soundtrack. Oh. I know, but it's great. Um, it's I've got it upstairs actually. It's it's really really good. His his um the stuff that he's put together his uh, his beats as the kids say are really really Don't good. No no but it's what the it's what the young people call. Them. What do the old people call it then and call it that? I don't really know actually. I don't know how I would refer to that. Because that's it's, can you play that again or is it gone? Is it lost to you? It's it's lost. All right. Cuz what that is is that's I believe that's that uh whatever song from Kill Bill. It is. And then but it's mashed with uh Mission Impossible, isn't it? Well, no. But the, the verse that's an in, it, anyway blah, blah 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 he does this great thing that's major look by Nas mixed with that Kill Bill song mixed with like some other thing and it's just fantastic but I don't know what you call it uh all right in a moment we will go to Tim Riley the Ministry of Truth then the top five let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show Dennis Pitsenbarger from Miles Around Evil Can Evil Dead. Yeah, I know. It's a sad, sad day in the world of the car guy. You going to um, talk about that tomorrow? Uh, of course we will. It will be. Uh, we'll probably take a moment of silence. I mean, Evil Knievel. I mean, I've actually met Evil Knievel. Really? And, yeah. That is so cool. Um, he came to uh, latest Harley Davidson over in Gladstone, and he was hanging out there because he, you know, he rides hard. He wasn't one of these guys who rode, uh, you know, uh, an import bike. He rode Harleys when he jumped. He, he I jumped didn't know bikes. that. Yeah, but I mean, they were like seven hundred pound pigs that he jumped. I mean, it's tri- like trying to fly a, a, you know, a soapbox or something. Them. But the thing about uh, Evil Knievel is I met him, and I ex- it's kind of like when you get into that uh, Wayne and Garth thing where you yeah. expect it to be worse. Well, basically about the five or six people I saw walking. Was he a dick? Away. He's a total dick. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew he was just a bastard. And he's just one of those guys where I think he's just had so many thousands of people over so many thousands of interviews and appearances that people come up and do that. Oh, God, you're so cool. And right. I think he just got to the point where he was sick of it. So, yeah, yeah I, it's kind of a sad day. And I still love fossil fuels, by the way. That's been kind of resonating through my uh, my world lately about when yeah. I was here. What was it, last or two weeks ago? Well, what can you do? Um, but uh, I'm I'm over the planet. You're over the Sarah planet. and I were talking about this the other day. I'm sick of hearing about the planet. Well, I sick of hearing about the environment. You know, like oh, I, I said that the other day. I did. No, no, no. Did I, I agree with you. There was a PSA playing the other day about like go green, blah blah. And I just, I just was scribbling away my pen. I said I'm sick of hearing about the planet. And you went, me too. You actually, you did say that. I think I was probably just trying not to have a conversation. It's not that I don't care. Well, it's, I really don't care uh, because I just sort of assume that the Earth will kill us when we become a big enough problem. That's true. I just, you know, I really, I that's what I do agree with you at. I do believe that the Earth will kill us all. When people say save the Earth, they're not really saying that. They're saying save humans. The Earth doesn't care about you. That's what I'm saying. The Earth doesn't need saving. We need when save people me, say, me, me. Exactly. When people say we've got to protect nature, what they're saying is we have to protect the human race because that's what will get killed when we become a large enough problem. Uh, the Earth, as George Carlin said, the Earth will flick us off like a bad case of fleas. All right. So yeah, I'm. I'm firmly behind that with you. Save yeah. the human race. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. If you really, and just be honest about it and mm-hmm. say, look, we just got to save our save save uh, Homo sapiens. Uh, we, what you're looking at is kind of like de- uh, delaying the inevitable. You know what? It, dinosaurs were bigger and more powerful, stronger, hardier than we are, and the Earth killed you know the universe anyway. Nature killed the dinosaurs with no problem at all. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, if you know, nature killed the T-Rex, it can kill me. So, you know, if we become a problem, the Earth will kill us. And as much weight as I've gained, I'm certainly not going to last as long as a T-Rex. More like one of those, you know, those... You are developing the T-Rex arms, though. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> sort of just floundering. You know? Everything has to be six inches in front of you. You can't get it. Well, it's just, it's, as I become older, I become rounder. Um, you know, you'll learn that as you uh, uh, screw up more and more in your marriage. Oh, I know. How, how is that working out for you? Thanks for bringing that up. No, it's working fine. And by fine, I mean I'm buying item after item. Uh, from my, and, I, and by the way, Those as I mentioned... Those commercials are speaking right to you. They really are. And hey, man. And by the way, and I, I, as I announced yesterday, I will be spending time with my in-laws in lovely Orem, Utah. So Make sure she doesn't clean your clock, Rick. Mm. Indeed. Well, we, we did talk about buying some new furniture, but you had already sold your couch. So yes. I, I we, we looked at that. Uh, what is coming up tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow, we're actually going to talk about the death of Evil Knievel. Uh, we're going to have a guy, uh, his name is Ferris, from the Easy Riders show that's coming up in January. We're going to be giving tickets away to the Portland Motorcycle Show, which we're going to be at as a show. It's going to be exciting. That's, I think you guys are giving some of those tickets away on the regular airtime yes. during the week. Yes, we will. Uh, that's the 8th and 9th. And... Uh, as far as car stuff goes, uh, the big thing is, one, uh, somebody tried to sue Toyota for o- basically working themselves to death. Uh, they worked 106 hours of overtime, so they tried to sue Toyota for dying. And the other is the new the, – have you ever – you've heard of uh, a Dodge Challenger, right? Yeah. Like a classic muscle car? That's the Steve McQueen – no, that's that the Mustang. Oh, that's I'm the Mustang. sorry. Sorry. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. okay. The Do- right. you, basically, you have the Camaro, the Mustang, and the Challenger. That's right. the cars of the genre. The new Challenger will go on sale Monday as far as taking orders for the car. Uh-huh. So the joke is they're wondering if people are actually going to camp out in front of Dodge dealers. But uh, that'll be uh, some of the things we'll talk about. And I wanted, that's why I brought up the fossil fuels is uh, on milesaround.com, I put a little link to a guy who has a 1,000-horsepower uh Cadillac Escalade that gets uh, 30 miles a gallon of gas. So I thought that would be a perfect... Really? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, everybody... Just makes, the idea of a 1,000 horsepower anything. Well, the Escalade is such a, an obvious pick. It's the easy yeah. target for the uh, anti-auto uh, world people. So. It really is. Hey, did you see that Roger Smith died? Uh, no. Roger Smith, former head of GM, subject to the film Roger and Me, dead. Oh, yes. Actually, you know what? Uh, my uh, cohort in uh, the show, Mr. F. Matt Peterson, just emailed me a bunch of prep, so I yeah. had a chance to look through that, but that was on the headlines. All right. So, Miles Around, uh, immediately preceded by Car and Driver Radio. Car and Driver Radio, 6 to 9 tomorrow. Miles Around, 9 to 11 tomorrow. And then the tasting room with Tom Likas. Thank you, my friend. We'll see you then. Dennis Pitsenbarger, ladies and gentlemen. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth... This is Tim Riley. Okay, so as we speak, there's a uh, press conference going on about the situation where some guy with a bomb held some hostages at the uh, Hillary Clinton campaign headquarters in Rochester, New Hampshire. Apparently, three people were released. Now, nobody will confirm nor deny if there are any more hostages in this campaign headquarters. And the guy with the bomb is still inside. So this, I believe, is the assistant attorney general of the state of New Hampshire. So if we can pop this up from WMUR in Manchester. And the information we're following up on, uh, this is still a fluid investigation. Again, that's information that is inappropriate to release at this time. What are you investigating? We are investigating a hostage situation. Also, they're investigating a hostage situation, um, which means they felt hostages. A lot of various Mm -hmm. people, as I said, we followed up on a, a lot of active leads. And we continue to follow up. So there's been a lot of different people. That's information that um, I'm not going to release at this time. Then what the hell are you having a press conference for? Seriously. We have 54 sworn officers. What can you tell us about the alleged hostage taker inside the building right now? 
Yeah, I'm not going to discuss anything about the alleged hostage taking. Then don't have a press conference. What are you doing? What is the point of this? This is like that Anna Nicole Smith press conference where the doctor wouldn't announce anything. Oh, now he's done. Confirm any name. F that guy. Go the hell with him. F him. All right. I'm not going to confirm. Someday when you grow up, have a real press conference. Come and down. Let's move on with our lives. You're never going to make it to Nashua this way. That's right. That's right. And he's only the assistant. Five four five. All right. Well, that was where uh, the nameless assistant attorney general for Rochester or whatever. All right, I think we're done with that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here's uh, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. I hate it when people waste our time like this. Seriously, this is you know this is time just to ask the one day sale people. This time is valuable. So let's get back to some of the other things. I do have uh, some fresh sound on this. Uh, let's see here. Uh, this fellow named Cody Bennett, whose uh, father knows the man who held the hostages, says the suspect is a guy who has uh, some mental issues. Yeah, conspiracy theories and that government has planted things in his head and just a uh, disturbed man. He's just not right in the head. You know what makes it creepy is it's already nighttime there. Yeah. So it's dark. So the explosion will really... So if it ends with a big explosion, it'll uh, it'll really light up the sky. Uh, Adam Krauss, he's a reporter for a newspaper, said the area was locked down as soon as word came out that there was a hostage situation at the headquarters. The downtown went into lockdown very quickly, and perimeters were set up. They got wider as uh, this event went on, and the media contingent, as you can imagine, grew bigger and bigger. Okay, uh, so there's got to be somebody still in there beside the hostage guy. And well, let me just say... Uh, by ways of preface, that of course we hope that this ends peacefully. We hope that this is resolved uh, peacefully with a minimum of damage to anyone and anything. That being said, if all of the hostages, you know, uh, are, are let go, I'll care a whole lot less if he blows himself up. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, 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 just because, I mean, I mean that really is the thing, right? Is trying to figure out the hostages are out of there because that's the, he's clearly some nutcase. Well, mm-hmm. oh, because he's not saying when that guy was just speaking, he slipped because he's not saying we're you know investigating somebody who won't come out of a building. Oh, he's been drinking for seventy-two hours. Witnesses say. Oh, <laughs> did, did somebody set a, a oven timer to that? Uh, I don't. I don't really know. He has like a tote board going. Um, let's see. Okay, so apparently this is someone who knows uh, the man, uh, and she said. He told me to watch, so again, he was telling everybody to watch the news. To watch the news, and he, quote, had been drinking for 72 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was in the grips of some kind of alcohol dementia, apparently. So uh, there you go. Um, well, if he blows himself up, again, it's nighttime there, so at least we'll get a good, like, there'll be a good, you know, flash. You'll really be able to see it. And it doesn't look like it's a total loss, because they haven't put up the Christmas lights yet, if you notice, throughout downtown oh. Rochester. Well, let's hope they have renter's insurance. Oh, yeah, so if you don't have renters insurance yet. You're screwed, Sarah. Stop. You, didn't, you never told me the name of your people. Uh, well, because I realized after the fact that my company is uh, auto only. But oh, okay. your company, uh, if, they're, if they, you know, they probably can refer you to somebody. Okay. So, uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, well, okay, we've got uh, Tim, news, top five. It's up to you. It's your call, sir. Okay. Let me, uh, I am loading up something here as okay. we speak on this uh, person. Uh, apparently, the suspect guy uh, demanded to speak to Clinton during the standoff. The man is allegedly uh, still in the campaign headquarters after the release of hostages. Now, we have the suspect's friend. The suspect does have friends. Uh-huh. His name is Arnold Bennett. He says the man he has known for years is not the person that the nation has come to know over the past couple of hours. He's struggling. I, you know, I, I don't want to leave him there with, you know, certainly he's done something very, very dramatic. But uh, this is a kid who has come from a tremendous family and was a tremendous yeah. man in Why, this community. And he's had some really hard luck, both with his marriage and financially and losing his brother. Well, okay. So we should all feel terrible about it. Uh, what the hell do we Let's do? see. Let's talk to somebody about... 
the person that Richie is identified on the screen, Shades of Scotty, as Evil Carnival. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson <laughs> Show. Hello. About the Evil Carnival. No, am I on Rick? Yes, hello. Is it okay, Jack, you know, Jack it's just how uh, Evil Knievel was able to make money when he was in the hospital. What? 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 Evil Knievel, before he started his career in, in danger, for a short while he worked for an insurance company. Let me... And how I know this yes. is that, that uh, I had bought some of the same insurance from an, an insurance agent. She said, actually, this is the same company that Evil Knievel worked at and and because of him I, it's uh what it is it's insurance by the unit that if you spend time in the hospital they'll pay you money I, per unit yes let me and, and, hold and sir sir and that sir and they, er, yes have you ever been told that your voice is a little gravelly yes is that uh, may I ask? Is this a natural condition, perhaps an ailment of some kind? I've got I've got cancer of the esophagus. That's what I asked. I said if it was okay. a, if it was an ailment of some kind, because it yes, did sound yes. like a, perhaps an unnatural graveliness. All yes. right. So you're saying though that he was in the pay of of an insurance company, and the deal was that he oh, would become right. injured. Yeah, he, before he started his career as a daredevil, he was trying to support his family. He was selling insurance, and it was insurance that was sold by the unit. And when I bought some in the early 90s, it was like $50 for one unit. And if I stayed right. one day in the hospital, I'd get $54 and $54 every day I stayed in the hospital. Well, I, I do have to tell you, the idea of evil Knievel selling you insurance is just fantastic, though. Or the idea of the insurance company, insurance company spokesman, evil Knievel. And then it's just like him in a cast, like from, from the neck down. So. This is before he started doing all right. this. Right. No, I know. Well, he did. Retros before. Retrospectively, no. It just right. it becomes what a What he did is before he left the insurance company, I believe the number of units that he bought of insurance, of this insurance, was like 200. Jesus. It's amazing. All right, we got to move on. But thank you, my friend, thank you so much for the call. Let me do one more, and then we're so behind. Uh, we have to do, Okay, we'll do that. Let's do one more. Then we'll go back to Tim Riley here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hey, hey, I have two items, so after I'm done with the first, please don't hang up. Okay, yes. Okay, you guys were talking about the two trains. That w there's one on top of the other. Uh-huh. Well, how do you think little Tyco trains are made? Oh, hold on. Okay, yes. Oh, that wasn't funny enough, huh? I don't, I, don't, I don't even have the thing in front of me. Wait, hold on. Jesus. Um. <laughs> All right, there you go. Okay, listen. I'm a I'm a new listener. Yes, I found your show probably about a month ago. Excellent. How did you How did you discover the program, sir? Well, I found uh, I was listening to uh, Dennis Miller. Okay. And I just happened to leave it on that station. Excellent. On that station. Okay. Yesterday, I was sitting and listening to the show, and I got to thinking. You know, this show pretty much reminds me of Seinfeld, the TV show, because there's like four of you, and it's basically a show about nothing, and it just this show just cracks me up. Well, thank you, my friend. So, uh, so what I was wondering yes. is, you know, obviously you would be Jerry and uh, see, Sarah I, would be Elaine. Who in the hell would be Kramer and George? Well, see, I don't see that at all. See, see I, think, I think Richie would be George, Tim would be Jerry, and Rick would be Kramer. Oh, see, I don't see this at all. No, see, I have a totally different take. Now, my take, and I really honestly, can, what is your name, sir? Michael. Michael, I have actually never thought about this before. Um, so, we should totally do a, a, a photo op. Uh, like in Seinfeld style? Okay, because obviously, 
you are Elaine, not just because you're a woman, but just because you kind of are her. I would see you as Elaine. I would see um, I would see me as Costanza. Really, I see me as George. Oh come on, he's the lamest one of them all. But he's but he's sort of like angry and just sort of like never quite never quite nothing ever he quite works out the way he wants it to. And no, because Jerry would be Tim because Tim lives That's in like a saying. little bubble. That's what I'm saying. So Jerry Seinfeld is Tim because Jerry Seinfeld is very you know again yes sort of a man a man alone a man apart. Um, and then I'm I'm George because George is constantly just sort of flummoxed by everything. And then. No, because Richie has the simple. Pro- I watch Seinfeld all the time. Richie is more George because Richie has the simple problems that turn into huge things. Really? More so than George does. Yeah, I think you are Kramer. Because Kramer. you kind of like don't really know what you're doing with your life, and you're kind of hilarious and crazy. And I just sort of come in into the room and, ah, ah, ah. and nobody really knows what you do when you leave the room. <laughs> well, see, but that would again make Tim Kramer because no one be really Kramer. knows what goes on when Kramer's not around. So Tim would kind of be Kramer. But nobody really knows what Jerry does either. That's true. Well, sir, hey, you, you've, you, sir you've stumped you've us. Given us. You've given now, us a now, hold on. You know, since you guys think out of the box, uh-huh. I do believe this phone call deserves winning the uh, Zeppelin package. Yeah. See, you had the two things that were really good, and now that the third thing, you've just it's all falling apart. Got to give them points for yeah. trying. Part, yeah, points for points for shamelessness, though, sir. Hey, does it, it doesn't hurt to try, does it? All right. No, it does not. Uh, my friend, are you spreading the word about this station and the show? Oh yes. You know, I I'm, I'm in construction, so I I walk around with a little earphone on, and I'm uh-huh. laughing. And this guy says, "What in the hell's wrong with you?" So I told him about the show, and he started listening. You know, and he says, "You know, people will think you're you're, you're crazy because you're walking around laughing." Excellent. <laughs> All right, it's a my, good show. My friend, thank you so much for listening. You can call us anytime. Okay, thank, thank you. you. There you go. That's Michael, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, should we do the top five? Yes, yes. Ladies and gentlemen. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting is the oh. best thing to do. Oh, I'm sorry. On CNN, they were just showing an Evil Knievel crash. They were just showing that one where Evil Knievel broke like 80 bones. Jesus. All right, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth with today's top five here, Tim Riley with it. These are your top five show tunes? Yes, they are. Now, we did Aaron's top five show tunes to kick this all off. Then I did mine, and then yesterday Sarah did her top five show tunes. We now finish this list uh, with Tim Riley's top five show tunes. Now, this is a tough thing to do because by process of elimination, I mean, I had, like, quadruple this list. <laughs> now, it, it, as it turns out, I am more traditional than I thought I was. Now, uh, are you uh, going to reveal, because you said that you and Sarah crossed over at one point and then you took it off your list because of that. Are you going to reveal what Sarah had that you also had? Now I don't remember. Uh, okay, well, fair enough then. Yes. Beauty and the Beast, Phantom of the Opera, Les Probably, yes. All right. So, uh, these, so this is, so you've worked at trying to winnow this down to six. It's hard. Yeah. All right. So, honorable mention from Rent, Seasons of Love. Oh, wait, I've done these. I'm sorry, this is, I... Oh, these are all you. No, 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 I know, I, I this is my Put fault. Put them in the reverse I, order. I loaded them backward, I'm sorry, oh, that's my no. fault. It doesn't matter. Honorable mention from Rent. Rent. Now, this is the movie, I think it was two Thanksgivings ago. And people have suckered into seeing it. And by people, you mean you? <laughs> I, I didn't know. Well, it was, this is a movie about love. Actually, it was a movie about death. Yeah. And, and America was traumatized by it. It, it is. Thanksgiving. 
This is one of those movies that, like, you go in thinking it's a bit life-affirming, and yeah. at the end, it's the every yeah. dead. Really? Yeah. Everyone dies? Well, I don't want to spoil it for you. <laughs> well, I think you just said everyone's dead. <laughs> well, I was turned off by the fact that they were allowed to live rent-free for the longest time, and then when they were told that they had to move out, they were very vicious about it. Now, Ungrateful bastard. Right, it was. And As a property was, owner. The landlord was being very gracious to let these little ragamuffins live in this place for nothing in New York for the longest time, and all of a sudden, they have to come to grips with the fact that they could make money turning this building into something else. Well, we live in a capitalist system. This is so great. I really think that... Really, I think... The best thing about this list already is the fact that you go to see Rent, and, and like the thing that sticks with you most is how it offends you as a slumlord. As a property owner, Tim is horrified by the message sent by the movie Rent. That it's okay just to break into some, somebody's building and what? live there for months and months at a time, and then, then dare to complain about it, trash the place, and do drugs in a place that you don't even pay rent in. So do they all die of drug overdose? They're just about all of them. <laughs> well, I don't want to... Just ruin it, Rick. Yeah. You've already told no, me it's about love. You know. And drugs and yeah. free rent. And theft. Not Good. bathing. Number five from Greece, Summer Nights. Mm. Come on. I love this song. Everyone loves this song. Everybody sang. And John Travolta can sing. And this is before Pro Tools. He had to really sing. Oh, Olivia Newton-John. How hot was she? Still is. Still is. Yeah, she's still beautiful. She's legitimately, honestly beautiful. I love the cast of, like, like twittering harpies in the background. But your friend Gretchen is in the back. I was just gonna say, and that's the thing. Even if you had never seen Greece, you know exactly what those girls in the background look like just by the way they sing. Okay, so we go to number four. This is from Any Get Your Gun. There's no business like show business. I've never seen Any Get Your Gun. You should see it. Who was just in that recently? It was, um... Oh, God, what is her name? Um... No, 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 it's pointless now because I can't remember. There was some revival of Annie Get Your Gun recently that had... What's her name in it? Oh, well, it doesn't matter. So, that is the standard. This we go to, uh, number three from MAME. This is MAME. Now, I could see somebody like Storm Large doing a remake of this. Oh, what's it, what is this? Mame. Mame? M-A-M-E. Oh, cool. Yeah. Lucille Ball which, uh, played Mame, and lately it's been Angela Lansbury. I was York. just saying, I almost brought I almost brought in the Angela Lansbury version. Mm-hmm. I almost did. I didn't. At the very last minute, I chose against it. See, now I should have. I, I, I have Angela Lansbury singing. It's amazing an old dame like that can still sing. This is a great song. Yeah. This is this really feels like such a classic show tune. Even if this had been written yesterday, it feels like such a classic. Now we go to number two from Camelot. It is Camelot. It's true. The crown has made it clear. The climate must be perfect. Now, this is what Lou Diamond Phillips was in recently. Huh? 
July and August cannot be too hot. Here on KSOB Portland, we're playing Camelot. My dad, hick that he was, for some reason, used to go around the house singing Camelot all the time. I don't know why. The winter is forbidden till December. I think this is the original uh, cash recording here. Now, before we get to number one, your number one selection, I had many, many different versions of your number one to choose from. Yeah, there was. And... I, I, I really, you know, there was like Tony Bennett, and there was just a, I really, I didn't punt, but I, pu- I pulled a very specific performance of your of your number one show tune, because it works in like a hundred different ways, and it just makes the whole show feel like a Woody Allen film, which I like, so, um, so long last, at number one, from 42nd Street, it's the Lullaby of Broadway, and this is the Andrews Sisters version, oh, I like this, yeah. You can totally see those black and white Woody Allen credits. Come on along and listen to the lullaby of Broadway. The hooray and ballyhoo, the lullaby of Broadway. The rumble of the subway train, the rattle of the taxi. I totally feel like you, you close your eyes and you can just see, like, um, the busy nighttime Times Square, but it's, like, 1946. Everybody's r- rushing in and out. Fedoras and cigarettes. Going to the automat. Uh, there really is just something very specific about this music. Maybe it's the production or, or, or the, the certain kind of tinniness that it has to it. It's just beautiful. Fantastic. Great way to end the week. Yeah, there you go. It was a hard one. I mean, everybody knows more show tunes than they think they do. Oh, it's true. And people, and everybody may sort of be arch and eyebrow show tunes, but I mean, when you start to, but you really realize how many are part of the culture and how many are part of the consciousness. Fantastic. All right. Take a brief break. Back after this, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. Tim Riley's top five show tunes. We'll return momentarily. Don't go anywhere. Radio program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Rachel McGrath in just one moment. Uh, later on, we'll talk to uh, the folks from the Found Film Festival coming to Portland uh, tonight, I think. Tonight, tomorrow? When is it? The, uh, the Found Footage Festival? Yeah. It's uh, tonight. It's tonight. at 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. tonight at uh, the Laurelhurst. Aaron Geek in the city, Duran, as well. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles, CNN Radio correspondent Rachel McGrath. Hello, Rachel. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, thank you. Let me, uh, let me read you. Let's see if I have this here. I have an email regarding you. Uh, let's Uh-oh. See here. No, no, no. It's actually it's quite, it's, uh, it's, it's quite wonderful. Hold on. <laughs> if, I, if I can't find it in like five seconds, we'll move on here. I don't want to waste your time. Uh, no, I got nothing. Well, whatever. Anyway, the, the guy pointed out that, uh, that you and 
He's incorrect about this because it's not just you, but there are a couple others. But he noted that you, that unlike some of the other correspondents, we actually haven't ever put together sort of intro music for you, any sort of a, a musical theme. Oh. Uh, for example, Lisa Desjardins has the West Wing theme because she covers politics. Jim Roop has uh, Randy Newman's I Love L.A. Ed McCarthy has uh, Georgia. Um, and so the, he suggested, I thought, rather obviously, uh, the beginning of All You Need Is Love by the Beatles, and I felt that that was a little trite, but I didn't know if you had perhaps a request or a suggestion or if you were horrified by the whole idea. Speechless, I think. Really? So you have no... Now, let me ask you this. Would it, uh, would it annoy you or, or irritate you in any way were you to have intro music? It wouldn't um, annoy me or irritate me as long as I felt it was an appropriate... Song that you've chosen. All right, it's I just, I just like to say, and it's probably this is like heresy for somebody who comes from um, where I come from, but I don't really like the Beatles, so I'd rather you didn't have all you need is love. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Don't, okay, yeah, don't yeah. worry about it. Um, okay. Well, may I ask you this? If you do not feel that I am a piercing the journalistic shield by asking you such a personal question, who might your favorite musical artist be? <laughs> um, now you're putting me on the spot. There's no right or wrong answer. Just whoever um, comes to mind. Do I have a favorite? I don't well, really have a favorite, 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 favorite. Who are some of your some of your favorites? Some of my favorites. Folks that you prefer. Folks that I prefer. If I go Barry Manilow, David Cassidy. No, no, um, I'm joking. Um, I like you too. I like um, Bruce Springsteen. I like. Um, oh, who else do I like? Um, I'm trying to think. No, nope. oh, you've got me on the spot. No, nope, no pressure, know. Rachel. No, no pressure well, at all. Can we can we get on with why I'm why I'm here? <laughs> <laughs> Before you start getting emails from 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 them, sort of saying that uh, why do you have that CNN person Rachel McGrath on your show? Because she she never knows what she's talking about. You know, really, can I just tell you this? Uh, and then we will get right to this. I just have to say, the bar has been set so either low or high, depending on how one looks uh, at it, by some of the other correspondents for inanity on this program. That really, you could do nothing but tap dancing while juggling apples and singing an Albanian folk song, and you would still sound more on topic than some of the other folks have done. So don't worry about it. <laughs> but that's because that's I only talk to you like every few months or something. Cause I suppose. <laughs> they, they, they only hire me when, I, when I've got something to talk about. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk, well, let's talk about the writers then, uh, because it's, now I read something, and this is not happening in L.A., this is, I think, a New York thing, but I don't know, Conan O'Brien, I think now, is one of those where they're starting to, some of these guys are saying, well, I'm just going to pay stuff out of my own pocket because the, the, the well is running dry. I think it was the Tonight Show that is now running like Jay Leno from whatever, 15 years ago, 16 years ago. So where, what is the status of things now? Well, t just to talk about the late night shows, um, yes, you're, um, you're right. I mean, NBC um, today has, has um, sent out notices um, basically laying off all the uh, non-writing um, production staff involved in uh, the Tonight Show with Jay Leno and um, also the Conan O'Brien show. Conan O'Brien has said he'll continue to pay his staffers out of his own pocket. Uh, there's been no word about whether Jay Leno plans to do the same thing or not, or, or whether simply that from, from, from now, this weekend, um, uh, his people are unemployed. Um, there's no guarantees they're going to get the jobs back after the strike ends. And the situation is that there's a, a kind of a hiatus in the talks. Um, the writers and the producers were meeting um, all of this week and um, yesterday uh, the, the uh, Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers made an offer um, which they say is a really good offer, of course they'd say that, but they reckon they're going to, to pay over $130 million uh, for work created specifically for the internet by writers, which they say amounts to a $30,000 a year 
uh, raise for, um, for the next three years for the average jobbing writer in Hollywood. The Writers Guild of America says, hang on a minute, we're not sure that is that good a deal. We think actually it's a massive rollback and uh, they're taking from Peter to pay Paul. Uh, so they're thinking about it. They're urging writers to continue to pick it outside the studios. The two sides are due to meet again on Tuesday to resume the talks. Well, all right, there you go. And uh, so I guess as long as the Daily Show writers continue to crank out the occasionally amusing YouTube clip, I guess it's, uh, it's all, I won't really feel the sting that badly. So, Okay. <laughs> they, they haven't contacted you yet either to see if you'd like to fill in or anything. I'm sorry? They haven't contacted you to see if you'd like to fill in with a late-night show yourself. Or... I, I can't quite tell if I'm being ribbed right now or not. I, this is either... I think... I, no, I, I think you've got potential. You should put something on YouTube. Audition, I, audition for us all. Sarah, let's put this to a vote right now. Am I being... Is this a compliment or is this... I'm not getting involved. Is it? Okay. It's a compliment. <laughs> all right. It's, it's a compliment. Rachel, as always, it is honestly and sincerely a pleasure. Enjoy your weekend. We will talk to you soon. All right. Take hey, care, guys. Uh, Rachel McGrath, ladies and gentlemen. Los <laughs> All right. Oh I can't my tell. God, she hates you. I don't think so. I think so. I don't think so. I think so. Aaron? Yeah, she hates you. But in the best, I'm like utter disdain. But in the see. best, but in the best British way. See, but I've come around on this. I don't think so. I think she enjoys our little verbal sparring. And you could hear. But she I, enjoys seeing how long she can push a member of the colony. I think she enjoys knowing that she's British, and so therefore I can't tell when she's, as they say, winding me up, and when yeah. she's when she's being sincere. Uh, she was really uncomfortable though when I when she couldn't come up with a third musical artist. Cause she came That's up what with... happens when people don't listen to a lot of music, but then they, they're trying to like name them all in their heads. So I think yeah. she just ran out of a lot. The points for having the guts to admit you don't like the Beatles. I found one for her, which is I don't know if Sarah will play it or not. No, I won't play it. That was a what bad idea. What is it? No, please. what is it? She's not on the phone now. She's gone. It. She's not here. All I did was find it in an acoustic. Rachel version. gone, baby. Oh, quickly among competing Oh wait, that's the hell is this? That's not it. Well, that's it, but who the hell's ever done a banjo acoustic version of the Benny Hill theme? Oh, is that what it is? I yeah. Didn't I'm not using the Benny Hill theme. <laughs> Come on. Yakety sax. Yeah. I'm not using that. I've seen disaster, real disaster footage played to that music, and they speed up it. They yeah. speed it up, yeah. and you shouldn't laugh, but someone I know. <laughs> someone I know. <laughs> okay. Someone I know who will not be named sent me footage of what I will only refer to as a national tragedy set to the Benny Hill theme song. Does this person drive a Miata? No. Oh, really? That's what I... Okay. No. That gets rid of my idea. No, it is someone we know who sent us footage of, again, what I will only describe as an American tragedy. I've seen to, this video. Set to the Benny Hill footage, along with, like, if you laugh at this, you're going to hell. For the record, I did not laugh. Uh, I simply said, no, and closed that. And, that's really uncomfortable. And then, decide, and then decided that that person was, in fact, going to hell. But, you know, that's okay with me. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see here. Is this? No, I don't know which one it's going to be because there are three guys. Um, let's see. There's uh, Jeff, Joe, and or Nick. So well, let's one of find them. out who it is. Joe. Hi. Welcome Hello. to the Rick Emerson Show, Jeff, Joe, or Nick. This is Joe. Hello, Joe. 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 How's it going? Joe guys? Ardinger. How Sorry, are you, okay, sir? Hey, I, I just, were you guys talking about the Benny Hill theme on, we were, were talking about the Easy Catch Chicken Harvester, is that where you heard about the, 
Is that what you guys were talking no, about then? No, but the, I appreciate that your ham-handed attempt at then segue into promoting your wares, <laughs> sir. Uh, okay, tell me, the, the Found Film Festival, just let me give you a little background here. Found footage is just what it sounds like. It is it is footage that has maybe been left behind, or you located on a shelf, or it's been sitting on somebody's computer, or it's a VHS tape that somebody had in their basement. Um, and then you guys have to, and sometimes it's infomercials, sometimes it's talent show videos, sometimes it's whatever. So, But you guys are doing a whole festival of this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've been collecting since, like, high school. We find them at thrift stores and garage sales. And, uh, you know, since we've been doing the show, we've been doing the show for a few years now. Uh, whenever we travel, you know, people always bring uh, videos up to our, you know, to the shows. And, so, yeah, it's home movies, anything we can get our hands on. Like, you know, um, everybody's getting rid of their VHS tapes now. We're Sarah, trying, you know, DVDs. The, the Sarah, Sarah showed me one of them that, that was on your trailer. It was the trailer. That is, and it was that the trailer was has the woman with, like, it's like some weird skin care mask, but I swear to God, it looks like a Michael Myers zombie death skin mask or something. It's, yeah. It's yeah, impossible to, to describe, but people really ought to see it. No, Linda Evans promotes that, and I think they actually tried to emulate Linda Evans' face on that. <laughs> but what it is, it's like, it's, it's, there's like this electric shock, shock technology that, like, shocks your face into uh -huh. looking good, apparently. You put, like, a gel on, then you put this face mask on, and it's frightening. It looks like it's out of a horror movie. It really is unbelievably, it, yeah, it is exactly. very, very unnerving. Yeah, so we have a montage. We do montages like that where we take all these health and beauty products, like the Floby haircutting system. They, right. they put out a video with uh, with that. And so, oh, yeah, we Floby, put I remember one. that. Yeah, Floby. Mm, yeah. Floby. And then also we have a, a video for a hair removal device called NADS. NADS. Yeah. No, no, no. I remember NADS. NADS. Uh, we have used NADS on this program. <laughs> we had somebody use NADS to get hair uh, off their body on this show a long time uh, ago. Yeah. Was it Clyde? Clyde, a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Well, That's we only included just because we think the word NADS is funny. It is. So, uh, so tell me, uh, when, where, how? Uh, tonight at the Laurelhurst, uh, we're doing two shows, 7 o'clock and 9 o'clock. And, uh, yeah, come on down. It's, uh, it's, uh, good times. Um, we did two sellout shows in Seattle last night and, uh, hope to do the same tonight. So. Excellent. All right. Yeah, yeah, go look at it. It's, uh, let's see, foundfootagefestival.com, right? Exactly. Yep. And That's go try one. and find the trailer. It is so hilarious. Where can people see the trailer? Where can people see the trailer for this? Foundfootagefestival.com and also uh, myspace.com slash foundfootagefestival. All right, excellent. Yeah. All right, Joe from the uh, Found Footage Festival that is happening tonight. Everybody ought to go see that. Yeah, All do right. it. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, guys. Right, there you go. Fantastic. All right, wonderful. All right. Hi, Aaron. I'm proud of you for being quiet. No, I, I can no. see Aaron had had a little too much coffee, and he was starting to comment after every single thing. Yeah, go well, ahead. I didn't, well, no, I didn't realize that was, I thought it was just like a regular caller that we would banter with. I didn't know it was one of your dudes. No, it was just some guy. Yeah. Some guy that Sarah knows. Do you know them? Friend of a friend. Are friend they the same people that do Found Magazine also? Because it's the same kind of concept. Yeah. It's movies. Yeah, I think, I think different companies, same concept. And you're right, Sarah. This is my second Coke of the day, and I've already had two Viso Wills. Let's <laughs> take a couple of calls, and then we'll play the most metal thing ever. Into the break. This and then is... are we going to talk about The Mist? Yeah, and then we'll come back to talk about The Mist and uh, Golden Compass. Um, it, so it, we'll play the most metal thing ever to make up for the uh, the show tunes. Not to make up. You know, people ask us, you know, all the show tunes. You know what? We'll compensate a little bit. By playing the anti-show tune. Uh, we'll get a few of these. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Is Hi. Tim around? Um, no. no. What? What is it? Is it a Tim-related question? Yes. What is well, it? I, I wanted to ask Tim a question. Um, well, ask. Well, if you don't mind, you can ask me, and maybe I'll know the answer. And if not, we can find out. No one may speak to Tim directly. Yeah. <laughs> and don't look him in the eye. He's the wizard. <laughs> well, uh, I wanted to know if he was a Dave Brubeck fan. Uh, Dave Brubeck, a drummer? No, he's in a jazz quartet. Uh, why do I know? I know the name then, but I just I don't know enough about jazz. His uh, most famous song, I guess, is Take Five. Dave Brubeck. I will ask Tim Riley. 
Tim, okay. are you a Dave Brubeck fan? And it, 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 and then if he's not, should he be? Well, I, it sounds like something he would listen to, but the guy's like 85 years old and he's coming to Portland in April. Okay. And uh, I just bought my ticket because I'd like to see it, and I, I just was wondering if Tim was going to be going. We will find out, and we will convey the information to you. Okay, thank All right. you. Thank you, Shannon. All right, thank there you, you. go. Uh, let's get through these, and then we'll uh, do this into the break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Three. Hello. Two. It's you. <laughs> yeah, Jinx. There's All right, worst Rick, caller ever. Yeah. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, what's up? Uh, what's up? I've got... Uh, uh, a movie quote and a TV quote. I'd like to see if Aaron Geek in the city can get. Man, I hate this. Like right off, just pressure like, right off. Hey, you, know, you call yourself Geek in the city. Do a lot of bragging no. on there about what a Geek hey, you somebody, are. I never wait, brag. Was somebody throwing food? No. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Food ground into the carpet over here. <clears throat> okay, you ready, Aaron? Yeah, go ahead. I was born uh, ready. First movie, first movie quote is uh, nerd. Uh, I'll use no accent or anything. The movie quote is: A bear fell on me. A bear fell. We on already me. did this one. It was Roadhouse. Also I, don't, I didn't know we already did it. In your face. Yeah. You were the, did you okay. call last time with Ask. this question? No. All right. That line also appeared in The Great Outdoors. It did. What's your, okay, the what's your next one? The second one is, uh, TV quote, what would it feel like to have a madman at your throne for all eternity? Come on, Aaron. <laughs> Do Come it, on, Aaron. dude. You what? better know this one, man. Are you what, are you, we're going to beat your ass. That's the same guy. I remember him. This is the same guy. Uh, no. Nope. You don't know it. It's a raping. Great <laughs> <Rape> time. <laughs> Sorry. I, told, I saw that from Fat Boy. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. Okay. I'm going to flog myself now. Are you going to tell us? Uh, it is from a Star Trek episode uh, at the end of the movie. Um, okay. You just said episode. Now you said end of the movie. Come on, man. Pick. At the end of the episode of Star Trek. Episode of the old one. Well, you didn't know it. What episode? What, episode? what are you talking about? How would I know? I'm not the geek. Well, wait a minute. You can't throw a quote at me if you don't even know the episode. Oh. oh. It was that same guy. Oh. He called like you will not two be weeks ago asking about that. He's like, it was in Roadhouse. I can't believe you don't know. He will not be greeted at the gate to Stovacor. <laughs> so are we going to be contesting more guy. for the Led Zeppelin things? Yes. Well, then we should totally do an Aaron versus Matt. Uh, who's that geek? Yeah. Yes, let's do that. I'm going to play this into break. Uh, this comes to us from... I forget who sent this to me, so I apologize. Uh, this is a band called um, Nitro, and I do believe this song is called Machine Gun Eddie. Uh, this is just to, 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 to counterbalance the show tunes. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the most metal thing you've ever heard. Back after this with Who's That Geek on the Rick Emerson radio program. Check out this opening note. I think he holds it for 30 seconds. Waiting for the vocals to come in. I think I didn't advance it far enough. It's like a nine-minute metal song, like they all are. Uh, I think it's right here. Uh, Refill the flagon of chuckles. All right. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Coming up, uh, if you will play, who's that geek? 
Uh, with Aaron Duran and Fat Boy. Do we know Fat Boy? Oh, yeah, he's here. Okay, cool. Uh, for a shot of the Led Zeppelin 6 disc collection of the Holiday Ale Fest gift pack. Uh, we'll get to Tim Riley in just one second with the news. Uh, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show about Star Trek. Please be better than the last guy. Hey, it hey. is the last guy. <laughs> it's a, wait, did you give Richie a different name? Rick, I would like to apologize uh-huh. for not knowing you were on a live feed. Sorry. Yes, all right, yes. So please now to explain, where does that line come from? That line comes from the episode called The Alternative Factor. Hey, wait, hold on a second. Aaron, it's from an episode called The Alternative Factor. Oh, okay. Worst episode Thanks. ever. <laughs> it's a crappy episode. All right. It is. It's stupid. It stinks of season three. <laughs> exactly. It's, there, there's only one worse than Return of the Archon. Do you there f- you go. Do you it's no Spock's brain. <laughs> do you That's feel better about your, about your day, sir? Uh, yes, I do. Right. Name the character. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right. All the calls and all the gin joints in all the world. One more, and then we'll go to Tim Riley. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show about ninjas. Hey, Rick, what's up? Hi. Hey, Michelangelo, the Ninja Turtle. Mm-hmm. Use nunchucks. Okay, Ninja Turtle. This isn't you, dude. I, you're the one who's They're not ninjas. true ninjas. All right. <laughs> they're not. Indeed, their mortal enemy, the, the, the Foot Clan, are more ninja-like than the turtles. True that, yes. <laughs> really? I have a suggestion uh, for the Rachel McGrath theme song. Uh huh. London Calling. See, I, do you think it's, I, I don't I think don't I should pick she's... anything that is overtly British because I think she'd expect. I think she would consider that tired. Well, she's on the phone. London Calling. <gasps> I know what. Oh, what London you... Calling because she's on the phone. Okay, that's almost interesting. Yeah, maybe a lot maybe than still, all you need is love. maybe a little too predictable still, but that but I do like where you're coming from. No, you do get the good points for a good suggestion though. You know what? Because since she has subtle hatred for you yeah. that she disguises with humor, you should play the office the uh, UK office theme as hers. Hey, there's something there. Nice and subtle. Okay, good. I like the way you think. All right, thank you, my friend. Thank you. There you go. Don't forget the office every Wednesday at the Mission Theater, free. Brought to you by AM 970, 10 p.m. Here's Tim Riley. And now. From the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Microphone the situation off. in Rochester, New Hampshire, <laughs> at the Hillary campaign office, where some guy came in with a bomb and let some hostages go, is Eels. there could be up to three more hostages left uh, inside. Oh, really? So let's check in uh, quickly one more time with uh, WMUR-TV and their live coverage from New Hampshire. Put up my computer. Chip it is. Right there. That there are communications I'm between... jamming it. Darn it. Hostage hold. Well, well, we'll go back. The law enforcement. It, it, nothing has changed. It, nothing has changed. I, what can you I do? I don't even know what we're doing <laughs> now. My, I feel like we're in a paper lock. My computer is jammed. Okay. Let's try this again. No, no, I'm okay. All right, hold on. Let's try this again. Try what? And mine just stopped working, too. Yeah, I know. Great Tim just gave up. I just thought he shut it down. All right, did you say that you were playing it? It's it's not working. Okay. It don't, it's not working. But nothing's happening. No. <laughs> Well, let's I'm... talk about Evil Knievel being dead, shall we? <laughs> I'm sorry. Here he is in 1973, back when he was alive. I just decided it's a motorcycle. Industry was ready for a motorcycle show of its own, and it was big enough to support it. And I uh, was racing motorcycles at the time. I didn't make enough money for myself, my family, and I thought I'd get into stuff business. Very Evil Knievel died today. He was uh, 69. All right. A uh, newspaper in Maryland uh, promises to buy a coffin for the next person who kills himself in a drunk driving accident. You want to die? You know, we're going to make it cheaper for you. Jesus, that's what? 
That's uh, St. Mary's Day editor, Ken Rosenhall. He says uh, the motive is simple. It's kind of a gimmick, though. It's outrageous. And But what else do we do? <laughs> like, what can you do? Well, okay, there there we go. And so to the best of our knowledge, there's been no death or uh, upblowing at the Hillary Clinton place. No. All right. Well, there's there's always the future, though. Stay tuned to AM 970. We'll keep you posted if events change. Absolutely. Hey, wait, let me ask you this. So, like, I think I do have this here. Um, let's see if this will play. Oh, no, i got to wait for it to advance. I don't think the opening uh, credits is. I have this. I'm looking for the, um, so this is the office the British version. I'm trying to get the theme. Oh, that's what I'm trying to get right now, too. I've got it. I'm just waiting for it. Don't try to get anything. It's not going to give it to you. (laughs) (laughs) Never try. You will always fail. That's the lesson, kids. All right. Give Give in before you start. Oh, no. Not really. Evil Knievel is still dead. Oh, hey. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Tim, before you you go, uh, to prepare more news, Mm -hmm. um, which will then be delivered at 4, 5, 6, and 7, it will be Um, Shannon called while you were out. Shannon called wanted to know if you are a fan of Dave Brubeck, who was apparently in a jazz trio. Yeah, I remember him. No, so, not a big fan. So then you will not be going to see him uh, when he comes to uh, when he comes to Portland. No, but thanks, Shannon, anyway. Thank, Thank you, you, Shannon. Thank you. We appreciate your input on this. All right, Tim Riley. Tim Riley will return. Greatest newsman in the history of the world. It's been a busy day, hasn't it? Get ready for the big storm this weekend. Uh, we're all going to die. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, back at uh, four or five. The blue line. You can make sure of that. If you like to, if you like to skip to the bottom of the page, like oh, you white likewise. people, <laughs> <If> you <like laughs> can't to, behave themselves. If you'd like to participate <laughs> in the exciting white-on-white violence that's happening on 82nd, uh, back at four, five, six, and seven, top of the hour, uh, all the way through, like us, fantastic. All right, uh, Aaron Geek in the city, Durant. Yeah. Uh, in a moment, uh, Fat Boy from KUFO will join us, and we'll play um, Who's That Geek uh, for a uh, shot at uh, the Zeppelin six disc set. In the meantime, it's a hard game. You're going to talk about the oh, yes. Golden Compass. Let's also get uh, uh, high. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. You've seen The Mist. Yes, Rick. I uh, I took my wife last night. We went to go see The Mist. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Sounds like it made an impact. You know, I've always heeded your warnings when you said, don't watch this video. And then? You don't really <laughs> want to watch it. And whether or not I watch it or not, you know, I've always heeded your warnings. And on this one, you were saying, you know, it's really good, you should see it, but be warned, it's going to impact you. Yes, it will but scar you. It's a movie, it can't do... How it. bad could that's it be? That's what I thought when you I went into Wet Room for a Dream. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought when I'd see Aliens. How it's scary all, could it be? It's all make-believe. It's I've Hollywood magic. I've watched Wet Room for a Dream probably five or six times. I can watch seven once a month, and it doesn't bother me. That movie bothered me. It, I no. didn't remember the story. No, and the thing about the mist is it just crawls inside you and dies. And you know what? It doesn't matter if you remember the short story because it ends differently. Because this is different than the short story. It ends It ends very differently. Yes, it does. Don't reveal it because Stephen no, King has said he'll no. kill you. Yes, yeah, Stephen King said if you reveal it, you need to be hung by your thumbs and killed with a claw hammer. Like uh, like old Weird Al, you know? Yes. Don't, please yeah. don't reveal the secret. No. Yes. Uh, Storm and Davey were there last night, too. Really? So you, you talked to Storm. Uh, Davey looked... Like I feel, I he he was not his normal smiling self. He was stricken, and uh, you know Storm is always energetic and bubbly, yes. but she was less so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, no, it'll take a bubble right out of you. Yeah, yeah. And, well, uh, I I was teasing the 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 uh, manager of the theater saying they give discounts to anyone who then wants to turn around and go see Enchanted. No, it's a yeah, no, really, you ought to. The uh, Enchanted is the sorbet to take this off your tongue. Yes, absolutely. So. All, right, all right, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, well, I don't know if enjoyed was the right word, but it is a really well done movie. It's well done, like a really well done, I don't know, insert 
scary thing. Thank you, sir. All right, Richie, uh, we got to clear the phones. Uh, please now to be clearing the phones, explain to the to the good people calling that they're going to have to go away because we're going to do the Zeppelin contest here. So uh, we will now take caller 5 at 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. And we will play uh, Who's That Geek? Sarah, you'll have to explain to me how we play this because I forgot how we did it. Because doesn't the caller, like, you, Do the I, caller asks a nerdy question and then... I think I ask a question. No, what, what happened was the caller asked a nerdy question and then you picked one of us at random to answer. One of us I pointed at one of you to okay. answer. And, and then, then one of us answers and, and the then the caller, caller has, has to, to say guess. who it is. God, yeah. it sounds so much like it really that is. boy. I don't even know uh, that that was me. I know. Oh, I don't. Even, well, I can't actually see you. I'm I'm short, and there's a computer monitor right. So I see right. the top of your. It head. wasn't you. It was me. Oh, who? You're freaking what? me out. We should do it. In oh, wait. Our, we should do it in our Arnold voice. We should do it. No, we should do it in stereo. We should just say ping pong, ping pong, ping pong, ping pong, ping pong. You're freaking me out. <laughs> one of us tells the truth, and one of us always lies. One of he us has white guys, on one side and white on the other. One of us has black on one side and white on the other. You can do a whole battlefield. I'm sorry. What? I'm, I'm saying you could do like a Gollum and Smeagol thing, but please don't. Please or don't. Max and Zatar. Oh, look at that! Yeah. You don't have any friends. Oh, that is wrong. You got to stop that. All right. Hold on. Before we do anything else. Precious. Before. Oh, good lord. Before we do anything else. Yeah, yeah. Did you find it? I got to try this. I'm gonna do it. Okay. This is a test. This is a dry fire, as they say. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, now welcome to the Rick Emerson radio program. <laughs> CNN radio correspondent, yes. Rachel McGrath. Oh, I like it. Does it work? Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Okay. I like that. And I like it's it a subtle. Lot. And it's understated. Uh, it is, Aaron, and it is British, but it doesn't oh, flaunt thanks. its Britishness. It does not flaunt its province. So, okay, I like that. Was that Aaron's idea? Yeah. Look at you. It doesn't right. flaunt its Britishness, but it does flaunt its its hate. Yeah. That's yeah. I, and it is quite, and it is sort of a bitter little program. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Uh, let's see here. Uh, hi. Caller 5. Hello, sir or madam, as the case may be. Hey, gang. How's it going? Hey, what's Hello. up? Are you a Zeppelin fan, sir? I certainly am. All right, my friend. So here's how we play our game. Uh, it's a, at, at a stake here is a copy of uh, Led Zeppelin two-disc Mothership Collection. Song remains the same on DVD with 40 minutes of new footage. And the song remains the same soundtrack, uh, all from Warner Home Video, as well as the Holiday Alefest gift pack. Uh, this is Who's That Geek? I will ask uh, Fat Boy from Rock 101 KUFO 7 in the midnight and Aaron Geek in the City Duran a geeky question. I will then indicate silently that one of them is to answer. You must then determine if it's Fat Boy or Aaron. Are you ready? Uh, uh, yeah. All right. I guess it doesn't really matter what the geek question is. It's just got to be one that has a Can sufficient... Can we do the lullaby thing? <laughs> That's not the contest. I know. I'll give it I a appreciate shot. the contest. Maybe you can call the other radio station that's offering you a chance to win six Zeppelin discs, you ungrateful dick. <laughs> it's an honor to be called Pwned. the dick by you. All right. Thank you. Oh. All right. Are we all on the same page again, friends? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, sufficiently geeky question. I'm trying to think of one that has a long enough answer. Um... La 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 la. All right. Um. Okay. Here is. Let's see. Um. Uh, I should have prepared something. I'm trying to think of a Lord of the Rings question here. Um. Uh. Okay. I'll go with this. I will go with this. Please now, geek, to be explaining. Uh. The trans. Since we were just referencing this earlier, the transmogrification of Smeagol into Gollum, 
and how it took place. Sarah will now select which geek is to answer. How did Smeagol become Gollum? Well, according to the movie, the way Smeagol became Gollum is he was fishing with his friends that were very similar to hobbits. They weren't quite hobbits. And he found the one true ring, and he was overcome by the power and darkness of the one true ring that was controlled by Sauron. And when he killed his friend, he began his dark path down the, the journey to Gollum. And basically from there, just, you know, he could Ding. no longer stand the sun. Are you, are you dinging in? I believe so. All right. Was that Fat Boy or was that Aaron? If that's not Aaron, I'm going to kill myself. Wait, who do you think it is? It's Aaron. Are you confident in that answer? Yes, I am. This is your last chance to reverse yourself. Yes, sir. All right, that was Aaron. Well yeah, done. Congratulations. You even yeah. had fat boy. You had the way yeah, he speaks down. Yeah, I slow down. Right. The, well done. <laughs> the giveaway is my um. I All have right. a very signature um. All right. Congratulations, sir. You, you win a. You give your tell. Well, I didn't. Well, now I'm not going Holiday Ale Fest all the time. I'm going to put you on hold, Richie. You'll get your information. Thank you, you my friend. Great. I love it. Thank you. Congratulations. All right, there you go. Fantastic. Well done. All yeah. right. I still uh, don't think we sound really much of anything. You know, the last guy got it wrong, though. The guy we did this, the guy snuffed it. Yeah. Yeah, this I think game the first time like somebody's gotten three. it correct. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, hey, we have one more break to do. Yeah. It's well, let's talk one. about Mist and Golden Compass then. Uh, oh, no, boy. Break. Um, well, somebody start talking well, about either the Mist or the Golden. The Compass. The Mist is fantastic. The Mist is a beautiful film, and everyone should go see it. And no one is seeing it because it's at number nine right it's now. It's failing. It's failing no, it, miserably. Well, the Shawshank Redemption five. also failed. People I know. forget that the Shawshank Redemption oh, yeah. only made twenty-five million, and people picked up on it later. It, it was a movie that I think had to catch up. Or the it was a movie where the audience had to catch up to the movie. Sure. I think the mist is sort of the same. The mist way. is going to do the exact same thing. I, in ten years, we're going to see it like on the IMDb top ten. I mean, it's I, like I, Shawshank. Yeah, I mean, it was like what it's opened what a week or two here, and it's all. I mean, it's just you. You would. I I got to believe the word of mouth on the mist mm -hmm. is got to be so strong. Well, also think about when it was released. It was released on Thanksgiving that weekend. It, it was the happy Thanksgiving film that's, for the family. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, true. though, I mean, it was made for like 20 bucks. Yeah, it was. It was low mean, budget. Very low very budget. Very low. Well, he even knew. He's like, there's no way a regular studio is going to finance this thing. Now, it how was happening. it financed? Who gave him the money for that? Uh, Weinstein's. Weinstein's did. Really? Okay, yeah, because I knew that there was no way Paramount was going to go, hey, make the most depressing, bleakest, least life of yeah. movie ever. Here's $20 million. And he even knew it. It was one of the first scripts he ever wrote. Was was his was his version of the Mist before and, he did Shawshank or any of that? And it was shopped around to a couple of major studios, and they were like, "Yeah, cool, we'll give you like sixty, we'll give you seventy. This is good." Um, that ending. Yeah, that's um, about the ending. Can you change it? And Darabont was like, "I am angry, man. I not change ending for nothing." Can, Grr, uh. can the little boy get a pony at the end? Of yeah. <laughs> Sarah. Oh, I was just gonna say it's kind of disturbing because the live feed just went out for that. For what? For the thing. For the for the bomb. Threat? I was like, oh god, what's the thing? It's all gone to static. <laughs> so much blood. <laughs> Um, Where's the pawn? Where's the pawn? <laughs> oh, I was Sarge doing... isn't here. Let's get the F out of here. Yeah, I was doing the super bad thing, and you were doing no. aliens. Well done. Yeah. Uh, Golden Keep Compass. Keep crow ain't dead, man. Their lifetimes are really low, but they ain't dead, yeah. man. They've been going after them. F that. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That is just so weird. <laughs> okay. Ah. All right, children. Uh, let's talk about the Golden Compass. I don't even know what that is, and it's I'm not going to see it, but I don't care. It looks like Nicole. Does she pay, play a bad person? Nicole I thought it start a bear. Jesus. Uh, yeah, voice by... I'm trying to avoid the obvious joke here. It's a bear voiced by Ian McKellen. <laughs> <laughs> he does he's, love bears. No, he's, more of, he's more of an otter. No, he, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. he likes the young He's more live than Ian the, McKellen. The, 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 the joke is just too much to pass up. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, well, what is it about blah, blah, blah? It's about a mystical golden compass that helps a girl find the, the, the path. Isn't it that Jesus is dead or something? Or no, God it's is just dead? Dumb. 
Well, I, I saw that the Christian guys were all crazy and angry about it. Well, it says God is dead. The book itself is uh, pretty... The, the allegory there is pretty anti-Christian. Yeah, very you, much you don't is. have to dig too deep to get that. But uh, in the movie, uh, Chris White's the guy who directed it. He also directed uh, About a Boy. Yeah. And, uh, but Chuck and Buck? No, no, that's no, Mike no. White. That's Mike White. And the director is clearly terrified of action scenes because instead of showing action scenes that happen in the book, they just have two characters describe what just happened. Yeah. Like and, and, and they stripped out most of the allegory. So, I mean, Christians shouldn't even really be complaining. No, not at all. Most of that stuff isn't in there. It's just, you know, a little girl with James Bond and that chick from the others fighting a bunch of polar bears, votes by Gandalf. So, the I mean, only reason to see this film, for any reason at all, is it has Sam Elliott. Yeah. Being yeah, that's cool. okay. I mean, that's it. That's why they offered us the interview with him. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and they are pulling those interviews back. Because oh well, it was Thanksgiving week, and I was gone. But yeah, because yeah. is the movie tanking? It's gonna. It doesn't even come out till next Friday. But oh really? The, it's not the, even out. Yeah, but the pre-press is so ugly on it that I think they're just gonna cut their losses. And this is probably yeah. gonna kill uh, uh, New Line. This is it, really it's gonna be the cat them blow. Up. Yeah, it yeah. cost two hundred and fifty million dollars, and they haven't had like a movie make any money for them since Return of the Because they sensed so. another Lord of the Rings trilogy with like, right. oh, it's a simple fantasy film. The kids will love it, and, and that's they, how they advertised it too. Like did. the first trailer wasn't even it didn't even have footage of anything. It was just a ring spinning from the people who brought yeah. you the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and you had two, and you had two rings on the screen, and it was golden compass. Yeah, that was it. That's all. And the O was the ring. I remember that. Oh, 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 oh. Oh. oh, no. Stop. <laughs> we are so breaking. Right Who now? wants to drink some Cobra uh, whiskey? No, 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 the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. There's just a whole smackdown during the break. That noise, good Lord. I can make other noises. Please don't. So some guy, some guy emailed and he was like, I've studied ninjas. Like he went to, like, he, like it was ninja just school. Like, Aaron's seen a like bunch he went of to ninja high school. Ninjas in them doesn't make Aaron an expert. You on know ninja. what, Missy? I've played enough D and D Oriental <laughs> Adventures to learn a thing or two about the Asian culture. That's the saddest culture. thing you've ever said. <laughs> All right. What's sad is I ripped them off from an episode of X Files. That's what's sad. I took it from Jose Chung's from Outer Space. Ow. <laughs> that was for Sarah. Okay. Thanks, You're welcome. Anywho. Uh, I'm not even. There's no time to get into the ninja thing. I bring you your food and you treat me this way. That is true. He did get food for you. He did get me my food. I appreciate it. So you are you claiming you can't drink the cobra whiskey because you've got some quote arachnid allergy? That's exactly why. First of all, I don't believe scorpions an arachnid. Uh, Yes, it is. Second legs, it is an arachnid. Well, fortunately, we've got this other sealed one with no arachnids in it. Just a cobra and a garden snake. There's no arachnids. I don't want to break the seal. It's clearly a collector's item. Oh no, Richie didn't mind. He said he had a couple other. Listen, let's see if it'll swish. Oh, Rick, don't oh, yeah. shake it up. Oh, It'll animate. I'll have it face you. How come, why, don't, why don't you drop the, uh, the Canomic Marble in there and see if you can reanimate it? The Atomic them. Marble? Yeah. The Atomic Marble, which has been saturated with gamma radiation. And I'll have you know. But they claim it's completely safe to handle. I hope so, because you just fumbled it all over the counter. Yeah, look at that. Okay. Right. Yeah, It'll work, because gamma that. radiation, same thing that made the Hulk. That's true. Yeah. Tapping into the secret power that all humans have. You they could work. have your own zombie snake. Zombie you could order. snake. Yeah. 
Uh, what's coming up on Film Fever Radio this week? Uh, this week we have a review of The Mist and Golden Compass, and it's a flashback to early days of Film Fever because his first friend is on there, Dave. Uh, whose first friend? Scott's. Okay. Scott's only first friend. <laughs> no. And we started counting down our favorite Christmas films. All right, excellent. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Court and Found by Rock 101, KUFO, 7 to Midnight. And Indeed. then can, are, can we talk about what's coming up next Friday? Uh, Friday after next. Next Friday is the Rockathon for Kids where we'll be auctioning off tickets to the January Midnight Movie. It's a charity Midnight Movie, 15 bucks a seat. But we are going to be showing a 35-millimeter print of Star Trek II Wrath of Khan. Khan! So that'll be next Friday. The Friday after that, we're showing Gremlins. That's going to be our Christmas midnight movie. Yeah. So. Awesome. All yes. right. Uh, I have no end of show clip. Do we have something amusing? Probably not. All right. Well done. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> I think we found our end of show clip. No, I think we found our off button. We want to thank CNN Radio <laughs> correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, uh, Rachel McGrath, Aaron Geek in the City, Duran, Chris Jericho, who joined us today, and oh. Fatboy from uh, Rock 101, KUFO, 7 to Midnight tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM970, Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley on the phones. It's Richie Bristol, the gatekeepers. Dave's in. Uh, let's see. Uh, web and uh, uh, imagery. Uh, Bridget from upstairs. And, of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Reynolds. Uh, miles around tomorrow. See you all Monday. Thanks for listening. Don't let the bastards grind down. Watch out for snakes. Be safe. Have a good weekend, y'all. Like us next. Bye. I barely knew her.